Hi, I'm Kara Kilmer. I play Sylvie Brennan on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Minas and Molly's. gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Uh, hi, Shyhards. Um, yeah, it's, it's our 200th in addition to Fire's 200th, but let's be real, we're not okay. We are definitely the opposite of whatever okay is we're not okay not one bit okay no on multiple different levels but yeah multiple different levels. we we are sad one of us is tipsy hi um <laughs> just, like the last like 24 to 48 hours what the hell just happened I, I still don't really have words. I I mean, I know what happened, obviously, but like, I don't think I've truly processed. I don't know if I'll process it till next Wednesday when I sit down to watch that episode and be like, yeah. oh shit, he's actually not coming back. Oh, it hurts so bad. Also, I totally just noticed your haircut. It's really cute. How much did you take off? <laughs> I didn't take off any. She just, it's because it's straight. She straightens it. So I just got a trim. So at the but. end of this episode, by, by the, you know this already, but the, at the end of this episode, you're going to hear our interview with Guy Lockhart. It just so happens that we talked to Guy the same day, like today, being Thursday. We talked to him this morning. And, uh, well, no, this afternoon. Afternoon. It was noon. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, in between there, Brenna was like, I'm getting a haircut. I was like, yeah, cool. I'll just be here, like, working. And Brenna got a haircut. So, guys, we're not okay. We are not okay. <laughs> yeah, I've already, I just told Gina, I was like, I, I'm sure there's going to be bets on how many times I cry, because I'm sure I'm going to cry in, like, maybe an hour or so. Which is exactly why happen. we're laughing right now, is to keep ourselves from crying. Yeah, honestly, I like Eugenia said, you're going to hear our interview with Guy at the end of this, but like that was honestly what I needed today. Yeah. I mean, he's great and you'll hear him and he's awesome, but just like the laughs and like I needed that today so much. I need. We literally, like, we signed off with Guy and we were like, oh, laughing. Like, remember that? We used to do that. We used to laugh and be happy yeah. about things. Yeah, just I, I needed that today and it was awesome. It was could not have worked. We've been trying to get him for weeks now and just the timing of it worked out so well. Yeah, and he's wonderful. We're so lucky to have such a fantastic cast like right across the board. All three shows, every single person. Well, and the fact that like they continue to add people who are just as great. Like you think that, oh, there's going to be like one sour apple in the bunch, but no, there really isn't. Like there really is not. And we don't just say that because we do this podcast. You guys know that we would probably say something. We're honest if, and everybody is wonderful. Yeah, everyone we've ever interacted with from crew to, you know, cast members has been amazing. You know, what's even more frustrating about the goings on of, you know, episode 200 and everything is that, you know, we have friends that we're close to that are working their way through the franchise. We can't say anything. We can't be like, oh, I'm an effing mess today and here's why. Like part of me really wanted to text. So our, we've talked about our friend, Rachel, who's watching it right now. And I'm just curious if she knows, but I don't want to say, Hey, did you get spoiled? And then her be like, no, what it was I supposed to get spoiled about. And I'd be like, Nope, never mind. No, she like, I don't want to tell her. She texted me a few minutes ago, not a word. So I'm guessing that I'm guessing. She ah! Yeah. Blissful Jesus, I know she, I know she went through and muted some like hashtags so that she would not see some stuff, you know, not see our general tweets about mm-hmm. things, but like, oh my God. 
smart woman. I mean, smart woman, but like that's gonna hurt when she gets there. She's about halfway there. She just hit like you know a little past episode 100, so she's like halfway there. But like, oh man. But like, there's nothing we can do because yeah, it's gonna hurt, but it's gonna hurt the same way it's hurting us. Hmm. I just yeah. I can't believe it. Like, I just can't believe it. I I know we still haven't said it yet, and I don't want to say it yet until we get there because I'm still in de- like partial denial. I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. I, I literally say it. I woke we'll up this morning like bit. totally like somber. I was just like, oh, that happened last night. Well, I told you before we talked to Guy earlier, like I didn't sleep that well last night, and I'm pretty sure that was a big part of why. Like. I had set my alarm to get, you know, get up early and start my day. But like I got up, it was like 5.15 and I wasn't going back to bed. And I was like, well, I'm just up now. (sighs) Like I I feel like I got punched in the gut and like slapped across the face at the same time. Maybe like also flicked with a rubber band, like multiple rubber bands. Like it just hurts. It really hurts. And I, do we talk about it now or do we wait till we get to fire? wait till we get to fire we don't have to play okay, day just yet yeah okay because i have a lot i want to say but i let's just we'll wait till we actually discuss the elephant in the room in like an hour okay so so we do have news that is not that related i, I don't know how we're going to talk about it but like we're going to do it so <laughs> we have episode descriptions not for next week but the week after that so this is episode seven and so Chicago Med 707, this is called a square peg in a round hole, okay? Crockett helps Dr. Blake replace a patient's liver. Vanessa tries to prove herself. Will continues to pursue the truth about Cooper. And Ethan gets closer to returning to life in the ED. Ethan! I know, Ethan actually made it into an episode description. So that means we're going to see Brian, right? Like if he's in the episode description, we're going to see him, right? My fingers crossed, dude, I need all the familiarity I can get right now. Okay. If you want to bring back some old characters too, just to make me feel safe, I'm on board. I know. I'm like, Brian, hurry up now. Like time's a ticking. Like, let's go here. Let's go. We we need Um, to see you. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I need to see you. I just need to see your face. Like Instagram isn't cutting it. Like I need to see your face on my TV screen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess Dr. Blake's sticking around. That's, we'll get to all of that later on. But um, yeah, interesting stuff. It's, yeah, yeah, it's it, interesting. Med is, Med is interesting. Med is also the only show that's not breaking our hearts right now. But actually, though. We need you to it's actually like, that way, Med. I know, it's actually kind of like slightly mending my hearts because you obviously have Dylan and Crockett and, uh, you know, Stevie. I mean, like, you've got a lot of good things going on and I'm like, okay, like, Med is actually for once mending my heart, not breaking it. You better knock on some wood because I don't want I know. You put that out into the universe and, like, this fandom is very fragile right now, okay? Knocking all over my desk right now. Yeah, I'm knocking on my desk too. I'm not even sure that it's wood, but I'm knocking on it. (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna knock on my head because it's as hard as wood oh my goodness okay <laughs> take us through fire okay so fire is called 1007 whom shall I fear and it says Gallo clashes with a new lieutenant temporarily filling in for Casey Severide closes in on a dangerous and deadly arsonist 
What is not mentioned here that I feel like should be and is in the promo photos, by the way, the, the promo photos are up. Or is that for next no, week? No, those are those are for next week. The okay, promo photos are not up. Seager's coming back. Like we know that. She's coming back. Um, yeah, she'll be in next week's episode. Episode yeah. six. I mean, okay. Arson powers activate. I enjoy that. But the way we got to this arson case though is fucked. And it, we will talk about that. It's, it's so bizarre, but yeah, we'll talk about it. I yeah, it's bizarre. That was just unnecessary. I yeah, we'll get we'll get there. Um, but see, okay. And I guess we'll get there too, but this episode description is so misleading so because misleading. it says temporarily filling in for Casey, but that can't really be the case. I mean, I guess by temporary you mean for three years, but like it hurts. Oh, it hurts so bad. I know. I know. And we'll get there. We'll get there. I swear. But like this episode description is so misleading. Okay. But here's your quick moment of levity. Okay. So, so Rachel, the friend we were just talking about, she just, just texted us and it says, um, this episode of Chicago Med is just what I needed today. It's a panda. (laughs) She's made it to the most iconic med episode of all time. I, I will take levity from wherever I can get. But like when you say, oh, it's three years, like I hurt. Okay. That hurts. I know. But you know what I mean? Like that's why I, again, we'll get there. I feel like we can't really discuss it without discussing it all. But like, that's why I think a lot of people were confused because this came out and it was like, oh, that means he'll be back. But like, yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, we'll get there we'll get there by the time we get to fire i'm just gonna be like no holds barred i have so many things to say are you i I, question though real quick are you currently drinking or are you already tipsy both okay i'm just curious i didn't know Um, if we were gonna get like worse as the night went on or if you were gonna stay at this level of tipsy no i'll stay at this level because i only have a little bit of this pumpkin beer left to finish fall is like my favorite because pumpkin beer all day every day um i got you but i only have a little bit left to finish and then i'm stopping there before we started recording charlie was like he's like do you want the other half of this beer i was like no i am on an empty stomach and it'll just get real sloppy so oh god yeah that would not have been yeah yeah Yeah. so we're just not okay okay yeah and then last night charlie's watching squid game right now so i'm, I'm basically re-watching squid game but like with him this time and we were arguing over whether we wanted to like watch it upstairs or downstairs and i finally just looked at him and i'm like one chicago was really bad tonight i just need you to sit downstairs for a few minutes just... yeah i just it, yeah. it hurts a lot it hurts we'll get okay. there we'll get there PD907 is called Trust Me. As the team works to bring down a drug ring, Voight builds trust with a new informant. However, it soon becomes clear she has a plan of her own. I'm in the minority on this one. Everybody was like, Void episode, Void episode. And I was like, do we have to? Yeah, I know. Um, but we did get some like further information about this episode. Again, Haley, our patron Haley, does the Lord's work by giving us the actual physical TV guide info about the shows. Um, and there is some further information about this episode. So it talks about basically how, I guess at this point, Kim is going to start to find out 
about Roy because it says, you know, Officer Kim Burgess fears that the sex trafficker who shot her is still at large because her guilt-stricken colleague Haley Upton hasn't told her that their boss, Hank Voigt, covered it up. Haley's fiance, which is still so weird to say, fellow detective Jay Halstead, who sussed out the truth, is angry with Haley and especially Hank for putting her in that vulnerable position. If you look at the team as a family and Voigt is the father, the responsible party, his family is unhappy happy and dangerously out of sync. It doesn't feel like home anymore. And that's a quote from Jason. That's yes, that is a quote from Jason. Jay's angry at Haley. Like, okay. Here's the thing. I don't think he's angry at we'll we'll get there again. There was a brief moment where they talked about it in, you know, this episode that we're about to talk about. But I don't think he's necessarily angry at Haley for what she did. I think he's angry at Haley for not have told tell told Kim by this point. Well, I, I think he's angry with her for not having told him either. Maybe. I mean, unclear after the little comment we got it on this week's episode. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know either. Uh, here, here's the point that I'm at with Voight, and we'll expand more on this at the PD point. I am at the point with Voight now where he's like, you know, when you just don't like a person and their every single move just bothers you, even if they're not saying anything, they're just like standing and you're just like, oh, the way you're standing is pissing me off. Like, that's the point that I'm with with Voight is I'm just like, everything about him just makes me mad. Yeah, I, it just feels very um not genuine with him like every word like there was a moment and we'll get to it in the pd portion where it felt like he was trying to care and i was like you clearly don't you're just saying that to say it and i don't care anymore exactly exactly yeah 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 so uh last up in news we did get a major win on wednesday okay so in all this one chicago bs that happened on wednesday which it was just it was not a good one chicago day I'm just going to say it. It wasn't a good one, Chicago Day. We did get this one win, okay? There is a new showrunner over at Chicago PD, and it is our own Gwen Segan. Ah! Ah! Party horn! Okay, so Gwen, if you guys don't know, Gwen has written some of the most heartbreaking Burgess episodes. Uh, She's written some big Upstead ones, too. Gwen is that writer who usually just, like, rips our heart out and, like, breaks it into a million pieces. Yeah, she's amazing. Her writing amazing. is, yeah. She she wrote the she wrote the scene when Burgess loses the baby in the bathtub, and and Ruzik just scoops her out. She wrote that scene. So, yep. um, yeah. So Gwen replaces Rick Ide, who has served as Chicago PD showrunner for the past four and a half years. Ide has been executive producing and showrunning both PD and FBI, and is also a writer, executive producer, and showrunner on the recently announced Law & Order season 21 revival. So here's the deal with Rick. Rick is going to split his time between regular FBI and the Law & Order reboot, okay? There's like a million different versions of like Law & Order FBI in Chicago at this point, but yeah, there's a Law & Order reboot, there's regular FBI, and he's gonna split his time between those two. Yes, and he's gonna stay as producer executive producer on pd but he's not going to be showrunner anymore right right and gwen is in charge now so gwen is like homegrown wolf entertainment this is this was so amazing that i I tweeted about this the other day you guys gwen started as a writer's assistant in 2014 so Mm -hmm. to my knowledge writer's assistants make like nothing they're like bottom of the totem pole totem pole totem pole 
words. Totally. Uh, so, and seven years later, she, she's gone from a writer's assistant to a writer to a full-on showrunner. Like, never, ever, ever give up on your dreams. That's just, that's the moral of the story. It's so cool. I, I didn't know that. Like, obviously, I had no idea that she started out as a writer's assistant, you know, for Matt Olmstead. Like, I had no, I had, I didn't know any of that. And so I thought that was so cool to learn. And it's just, it, it's so cool to see how fast she's risen and obviously deserves it. And it's, it, it's the best news. The best. Yeah, news. totally well-deserved. I'm so happy for her. We've, like, dabbled before in trying to get her on the podcast. And by dabbled, I mean, like, very, very small steps. But I, I guess it's going to be even harder now. But I would love to talk to her. Yeah, even just about her journey. Because clearly it's so interesting um, outside of the show. Like, I mean, I don't care about spoilers. So, like, just come talk to us about your journey as a writer. Like, that'd be awesome. Absolutely. And I'm excited to see what direction the show is going to go in now that she's in charge. Because we all know with Rick, he didn't really like to focus on the personal. Um, And that's really where Gwen excels. Yeah. And I feel like you could kind of seen a little bit of a tone shift this season. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like even, I mean, it's still dark AF, like it's still (laughs) very much in that Rick eyed realm. It's still very dark, Mm -hmm. but like, I feel like you can already kind of see a tone shift this season. And obviously I wonder if that's kind of been like, as Rick eyed has faded out and Gwen has started to take over, that's why we've kind of started to see a tone shift. Um, but yeah, I'll be really curious to see what Gwen does as a showrunner and like how she puts her mark on things. So. Yeah, I- I'm excited. I'm excited. So. I'm really excited. This was awesome news to see. That was awesome news. Yes, yes. So um, that's about all the news we've got. But you know, you guys know the drill. If you see anything, send it to us. And I know you're, you guys are just like, what about all the postmortems from fire? Y'all, we'll get there. We'll get there. We've got to like build our energy. They're back all up. the, I mean, and all the postmortems, for the most part, are the same because it was mm-hmm. one press conference. But yes, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get We've there. got to like build up our energy so we can cry it all out again. Yeah, and I'm not kidding, guys. I may actually cry in like an hour. So I, I'm I may not actually kidding. cry in an hour. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like I got sucker punched. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, patron shout outs before we move on. Uh, we have two new patrons to shout out. We've got Thomas Ridgeway. Welcome aboard. Um, please make sure you request entry into the Facebook group. We know our other new patron has done that, but Thomas has not yet. So welcome aboard. Thank you so much for supporting us. Please, please, please uh, make sure to request entry into the Facebook group. Yeah. And next up, we've got Megan Mahoney. Megan, welcome, welcome, welcome to the fam. Uh, we're so glad you have officially joined the fam. We're really excited. So yeah. 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 And so uh, if you guys would like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, please check out the link in our socials to our Patreon page. There's all sorts of fun perks there. Um, I think the best perk of all though, is this little community that we've dug out. Uh, yeah it's awesome to see how much it's grown it's like over 60 strong which is kind of unreal um I don't think I ever thought we would have that many when we started this um but it's awesome and it's so fun to see like even last night um just everybody posting and supporting people and like work everyone working through their feelings together like it's just it's so cool to see everyone come together it's it's been really fun yeah we, we forged a little family going on and it's really nice and over hiatus we'll probably do some stuff we'll probably do another happy hour um we might do like some sort of live watch together so you know there's, there's all sorts of fun stuff so you know if you're not part of the patreon group yet like check it out because i think it's worth worth doing 
So. Yeah, 100%. All right. I think it's time to move into the episode, shall we? Let's do it. All right. It is time to cover med. I'm going to stretch before med. We got to stretch before all three tonight. I'm just not like... <laughs> I have just, I'm not ready. I'm just like, I really hope I have the brain power to say everything I want to say about all three episodes, but like, that's a lot. Stretching it out. But we'll warm up with med. We'll warm up with med. We will warm up with med. This was an okay episode. Like, okay, that'll do. I thought it was solid. I mean, like, I, let's put it this way. I mean, we've said it before and we'll continue, I feel like, to say it again. I still think these ver- like even Med's okay episodes this season to me have been like far and away better than a lot of other episodes from previous years. Mm-hmm. Like season seven has just been like quality content that even when it's not as good as some other episodes, it's still really good. It really has been like some next level stuff. Most years with Med, you're just kind of like, all right, that'll suffice. But this year has been like, oh, that was good. Oh, that was really good. Okay. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, even the episodes that aren't maybe up to par are still really good. Like, I still thought this was, like, a pretty solid episode. Was it, like, the most amazing episode I've ever seen? No, but it was still a solid, solid episode. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, we're going to start off with Dylan and Dr. Charles and Vanessa, because the three of them were kind of all working together this, this, this week. So, we start off, and we meet Dylan's dad. I love that we've kind of started to get to see, obviously we've met Dylan's sister, we've met his dad, like, I want to see more of them. I like the little bit that we've seen so far, and I like getting to see that little tiny bit into Dylan, too. I love it. I love it. And so it opens, and he and his dad are just kind of, like, messing with each other, they're bantering, and then, like, Dylan's dad, like, puts the lights on on the car, and Dylan's like, oh my god, stop it. Like, you're embarrassing me. (laughs) It's been five episodes, but I already love the Scott family. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I love them. I, I want to see more of Dylan's dad and Dylan's sister. And yeah. Pretty great. Pretty great. So the, the, their patients, so Dylan and Dr. Charles, they get this patient. It's this, um, it's like a younger brother and a little, or older brother and little brother. And the older brother got hit in the head with like a Nerf arrow or something. And the younger brother has ADHD. So the younger brother's like running circles in the OR. He's like pulling things from everywhere. He's just a mess. So you get the vibe pretty quickly that the older brother gets pretty overlooked. Now, there is one moment that I do want to touch on that's not in the outline. And it might not have been this. It might have been a later scene. But there's a point where Dr. Charles is talking to Dylan and his phone rings and it's Ethan. That wasn't necessarily the very first scene. I don't think it was the first scene, but it may have been. The, but yes, it, he does. The phone does ring and it is Ethan. Yeah. So that I loved because then Dylan's like, tell him I look forward to meeting him. I'm like, tell him I look forward to seeing when you guys meet. Yeah, I was just like the little throw in. I'm like, OK, Ethan's still alive. He's doing great. Like and we all obviously knew he was alive, but it's just like nice to know those things and to hear it even just in that one little throwaway line. Like, OK, Ethan's doing good. He's coming back soon i think ethan and dylan might vibe really well together i'm curious to see how that may go dylan's very go with the flow so i think i think ethan's structure will be okay because i think i think dylan will probably go with that like even when dylan worked with will yes will got on his nerves but like i can't see dylan hating anyone maybe archer because everyone hates archer but like you know what i mean like even will who he was clearly kind of annoyed with like i don't think he hates will by any means so like i think he and ethan are gonna be fine i think dylan's one of those people who like he doesn't dislike anyone he just like finds a way to get along with them 
Yeah, well, because, I mean, and you guys will hear in our interview with Guy, like, Guy was talking about, obviously, how, you know, Dylan is very much an empath and, you know, picks up on people's vibes and their auras. And I think that serves somebody well in terms of trying to get along with a bunch of different people. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So. Uh, again so the older brother's got like a nerf arrow to the head or something and can we question okay here's something i don't understand if it <laughs> truly was like a nerf thing how did it do that to your head okay but remember remember it turns out to not be a nerf thing because like the 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 older brother confesses at the end that like he pretty much backed the little brother into a corner so that he'd hit him so I'm yeah gonna- but i I don't, I don't know. It's still. I know. Like a, a Nerf arrow should just go boink. Like it shouldn't. Still a little iffy. I mean, I'm buying, I'll buy it, I guess. But like eh, a little iffy. But it makes more sense if he like backs the little brother into a corner and then the little brother goes like rant, rant, rant with it. Then that makes a little bit more sense. But also the but it's still Nerf a, arrows. They're, they're still like soft as hell. Like I, even if the little brother like takes it and like beats it into the guy's head. I mean, like it's not going to do that to it's his head. It's still pretty soft. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of like other kid toys that would do that. Like a Lego maybe, unless it's like a big fucking Lego. Um. <laughs> but even then, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, it was a little hard for me to buy into that a little bit but whatever I like the rest of the storyline so it's fine I'm but. looking at my like I'm looking around at things on my desk right now I'm like what if it was a pen I think a pen could do it like <laughs> whatever I don't know I don't know um yeah and so Vanessa volunteers to stitch the older brother's head but then she doesn't because he's, he's bleeding way too much and the the whole thing you need to know with Vanessa is that she's basically pulling a Haley and she's just not sleeping she's like energizer bunny right now just like going full steam ahead so she so basically the older brother has a seizure and dylan's like did you order xyz panels and she's like oh no i didn't and he's like okay well he could have a bleeding disorder and if he does have the bleeding disorder then he could basically herniate like immediately so dylan like runs off to handle it and vanessa just has that like a prolonged moment of just like beating herself up it's like the soap opera moment of just like drama face. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. So Dr. Charles talks to the younger brother later and he just kind of notices that the younger brother is counting. It's like a self-soothing kind of thing. And we find out later that the older brother needs a brain surgery. He does indeed have a bleeding disorder. And so he needs surgery to, to patch it up. So Vanessa keeps beating herself up. That's going on. But there's a moment with Dr. Charles and Dylan and the kid. And this moment when he confesses is like, just so like innocent. So they're both just like, do you want to tell us anything? Like you obviously want to say something. And he says, when they look inside my head, will they be able to see my secrets? Oh Oh my God. That moment like broke my heart. Like I know. Kids, man. So it turns out he provoked his younger brother so that he'd hurt him. Yeah. Was it the older brother that guy was singing Dear Evan Hansen with in that video? Yes. Oh my God. Just, yeah. Yeah. I I think we're now just like a Dylan Scott Guy Locker appreciation podcast. Right. This is now a Dylan Scott uh, fan account. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I wish we'd gotten to talk Broadway with him. That would have been a good chat. Oh, man. Yeah, we should have. I know. 
I know. I, honestly, though, I feel like we could have talked about anything with Guy, and it would have been a great chat. He's super chill. Yeah, I. But God, I love our cast so much. I, I can't believe that everybody is just so down to earth and so wonderful. They really are, though. They and our friends really who are. start one Chicago, when we tell them that, they don't believe us. They're like, "Well, wait, somebody's got to be a problem." We're like, "No, literally, no. everybody is fantastic." No, what? Yeah, it's like unheard of. Unheard of. Crazy. Crazy. So Dr. Charles thinks that ADHD is a misdiagnosis. He's like, you know, I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. So cut to Vanessa and she's mopey. You know, she's just beating herself up. She's probably exhausted because she's been at the hospital since like 4 a.m. No, thank you. Um, And Maggie assures her that it's not her fault. And we have a moment where there's like a mother-daughter handhold. Oh, snap. But Vanessa pulls away. And it's kind of an odd parallel to what happened last week with the Crockett. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that, but yeah. A little bit. Awkward. Little bit. Yeah. But also, awkward. I, I didn't get to record last week, so I still have a bunch of thoughts about last week I didn't get to share. But also, like, dude, can't fault you, Vanessa, for crushing on your mentor. Same. Like, Yeah, I mean, same. I have a big crush on Crockett, too. So, like, I can't, I definitely can't fault you, but, like, yeah. No shame. <laughs> no shame. No yeah. shame. So then Dr. Charles tells the parents what the older brother said, and they just kind of don't really believe. They're like, no, that can't be. Like, we've been on this medication forever. So Dylan talks to the older brother. And just, I mean, we are not worthy of Dylan, period. We're not worthy. Surgery went well. In fact, neurosurgeon said you had the best looking brain he's seen in quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. Told your parents, but they weren't surprised. Said they always knew you had a great brain. They said that? Yeah. They did. You know, Alex, uh, kids with great brains, they don't always get the most attention, but people notice. We are not worthy. Nope, not at all. Nope, nope. It's it's truly been though, like one of the best blessings Med has ever given us. <laughs> like, but Dylan, actually, and then, and then him working with kids. It's really been like one of the best things I've ever done. Yes, yes, it's wonderful. So Vanessa takes the little brother for like a quick peek, air quotes, and he sees his older brother. He gets really anxious and he runs. Poor kid. Um. But also, Vanessa's having a really bad day. Poor Vanessa. Mm-hmm. Just no bad. No good. Very bad. No good day. Day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Vanessa's just, no good. Very bad day. Yeah. Not a good day. Not a good day. So lucky for Vanessa, though, the cameras pick up what's going on. And the cameras find him in a supply closet. And Dr. Charles is just like, not your fault. Totally fine. And Dr. Charles to the rescue. Might I give it a try? Yes. Hey, Ryan. You know what? I don't think that you wanted to hurt your brother today. I think that the only reason you threw that toy at him was because you didn't know what else to do. I got so mad. Because those feelings, they just, they just keep building and building. 
Uh-huh. I can't stop them. And I'm always getting in trouble. What if I told you that I didn't think that that was your fault? That's not what people say. They're always telling me to reset. Well, you know what? I, I don't think it's your fault. Not only that, you know those, those feelings you get? I get them too. You do? Oh, yeah. Everybody does. And one of the things that really helps me when I get them is, is actually to talk about them. You know, there's this weird magic that happens when you, when you get them out. They just, they just don't seem to bother you as much. Like, I want, Dr. Charles, I think, would count as one Chicago ASMR. Like, we can just put that on there next to, like, Jay's Column Voice. Yeah, I feel like this season, I don't know what it's been about Dr. Charles, but I've always obviously loved Dr. Charles. I've always had an appreciation for him. But this season, it just feels like Dr. Charles is just on a whole other level and my appreciation for him is on a whole other level. Like, I just love Dr. Charles so much. I think you could do a totally separate ASMR album of just Dr. Charles speeches. Oh my God. Yes. Like, this one would count. I think another one that would count is when he talks to Ethan about, like, the serenity prayer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole other, that's like a subset. There's, like, the main album, and then there's, like, the subset Dr. Charles spinoff. Like, call now and we'll add in the Dr. Charles package. <laughs> yeah, but I just, I really love what they're doing with Dr. Charles this year, and just kind of in general, too, with, like, really hitting home on like how easy it is to be misdiagnosed and how obviously like how much of a problem that is um I really love that they've done that and really leaned into that um and I just yeah like my whole my appreciation for Dr. Charles is just on a whole other level this season Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely so then the dad like Dr. Charles and the dad talk and the dad leaves the Adderall with Dr. Charles and Vanessa and Maggie have this conversation later and basically Vanessa like eyes it while Maggie's putting it in the bag. I think we're going full Jesse Spano with Vanessa. I think we are too. I, I mean, I really thought she was going to end up stealing it. She didn't, but she still took something, you know, at the end. Or but did like, she? And like, was that, was that the Adderall that she pulled out of that box? I don't know. I feel like if you brought it home from the hospital, like you stole it, why would you then put it in a box to then only take it back out of the box? Please, please, please tell me those were caffeine pills. I would die. Like, please, But it's please, definitely please. something. And yeah, the first thing I thought was, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so Jesse, Jesse. That's where we're going with this. Yeah, and it's gonna be a shit show. What was the name of the girl group that Kelly and Lisa and Jesse had formed in that episode? Oh, fuck. Don't ask me that. I can even like picture them doing like the workout music video and like I, I can picture it all in my head. What is the Put name your of mind to it? Go for it. it. Go for it. Get, Get down, down and break, break a sweat. sweat. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can like picture all of that, but I don't remember the name of the group. Oh, it's Hot Sunday. See, I keep thinking of like Zack Attack and that, and I'm like, that's not right. That's a later band they were yeah, all yeah. in. Like, obviously, get your priorities straight. Right? Yeah, I just, no, I would not have come with Hot Sunday. Yeah, it was Hot Sunday, like Sunday, S-U-N-D-A-E, like ice cream. Yeah, oh, I remember it now that you say it, but I would not have remembered that. Rock and roll, you roll ain't seen nothing, nothing yet. yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Vanessa. Poor Vanessa. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm worried about her. This is the first time this season I've actually been worried about someone. So like, I guess on the one hand, I'm glad it's taken me five episodes and I'm not like, this is the first time I'm like, okay, I'm worried about someone on med. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I'm really worried about Vanessa. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I got to pull it together. Like, yes, very worried. But also <laughs> they're going full Jesse's now. <laughs> okay. Oh. Focus. Yes, very worried. Hmm. Oh, I really <laughs> hope she was taking caffeine pills. <laughs> we are worried. Okay. We are worried. <laughs> we need to try and get Aisha on the podcast too. I would love to talk to her. Yes. I was going to say, I feel like she should be our next like person we should try for but then we'd also end up talking about all american for like ever i know i need to catch up on it the new season starts next week and i know i'm not going to make it for that but i need to catch up on it yeah yeah so so then um dylan brings his dad dinner after shift because basically the conversation that dylan and dr charles have is just like you know they're talking about how the older kid didn't really feel seen because he had what's called glass child syndrome where they just kind of see through him and so Dylan's just like, wow, like, I'm really lucky that my dad actually saw me, you know? Uh, And he even says at one point, he even like kind of references how, you know, with him being a doctor while his whole family are cops, he feels kind of unseen. But Mm -hmm. yeah, but then he says, he's like, I never really realized how good I had it. So it ends with him bringing his dad food and it's really nice. Just really, really, really nice. Yeah, I know it's also nice to see like so far I mean we haven't seen absolutely we don't know that much still about Dylan and his family dynamic but so far it's really nice to see like a normal family dynamic yeah so far yeah so far I mean obviously there's still much more story to tell but so far like it's nice to see it seems like he's a good relationship with his sister good relationship with his dad like uh, okay like I'm here for this <laughs> I also want to know what was the catalyst for him to leave PD and go into medicine he referenced it and, like he referenced it and said like that's one of the reasons on like a call he was on but like there had to be something that was like the straw that broke the camel's back yeah I'm curious to see so in our interview with Guy which again we keep teasing but like it's on our mind because we just did it this afternoon too and obviously you guys are going to hear it at the end of this episode he keeps teasing episode eight as like a big uh, Dylan episode. And we're going to kind of, I guess, learn more about Dylan as a cop and why that's, you know, how that kind of, I guess, the transition between cop and doctor. So I'm curious to see episode eight and like where that all, you know, mm-hmm. how everything plays to comes together. I'm also curious which episode is going to be the midseason finale okay so i'm curious too so if we know for a fact based on the episode descriptions that episode seven airs in two weeks mm-hmm. on whatever november 4th i think something like that yeah um and guy told no november 3rd i'm sorry november 3rd and guy told us today that they just wrapped episode eight like they're not that much more ahead anymore so we're gonna have to have a week 
off somewhere, right? I don't know. I don't know if we're going to do that or we're going to go straight. So you guys had a lot to say about this. I mean, I, everybody was very vocal last night because everybody was just kind of in a very emotionally charged place. Yeah. 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 So Kimberly J said, Vanessa taking pills. She'll either hurt a patient or have a breakdown, right? Anybody else getting Jesse Spano vibes? Yes. I hope she doesn't hurt a patient. Like I have a breakdown. Maybe that's what she needs to realize that like she needs some balance in her life. Mm-hmm. But I hope she, it doesn't, this doesn't end with her hurting a patient. Cause I don't know if she'll emotionally recover from that. And I'm not ready to see her go that place. Like if she needs some sort of breakdown again, to realize the balance fine, but like, I, I don't want to go the hurt the patient route. No, hurting a patient would be, that's like a point she can't come back from. She's so green that like hurting a patient would not be good for her. Yeah. Um, And then Jess said, Dylan continues to be a standout for me every episode. I love his dynamic with Dr. Charles and totally won't complain if we continue to see that. I, first of all, agree on that. Like I love the stuff they've given us with Dylan and Dr. Charles. It's been Mm -hmm. awesome. Um, And she said, his patient was a cute little munchkin and Dylan was so good with him. Same with Dr. Charles and the brother. I like that they're doing these really important storylines about misdiagnosing and Guy even tweeted about what an important issue it is. Yeah. Yeah, it really did shine some light because you don't realize how prevalent that is and how a misdiagnosis like that can really F up somebody's life. Yeah. Um, Well, and the fact that you think that someone's getting better and that like, I mean, even in this episode, they were like, oh, well, if he just takes the ADHD pills, like he'll be okay. But that was clearly not even the right treatment. So it wasn't even doing anything. He was just taking pills to take pills at that point. Yeah, and Dr. Charles said it even made it worse. Yeah. Yeah. So- um yeah definitely important an issue and like this has been a couple weeks in a row now we've had it and I'm sure it'll be something they continue to do throughout the season so here for that I feel like we can add this to the one Chicago drinking game of how many times we just like praise Dylan but also like thank god for him okay again I didn't get to record last week okay I was out that very first scene in the first act of the episode last week when he talks to the kid and the kid just breaks down in his arms oh my god like just R.I.P. me, man. Yeah, I again love Dylan so much. Dylan, I, Dylan is like very much at the top of our like favorite med characters ever list. Like, I, I love again, him. this is just a Dylan Scott Guy Lockard stand podcast now. No shame, and no, no shame. shame about it. No, no shame. shame. No, no shame. He was wonderful to interview too. He was really fun. <laughs> yeah he was awesome I I can't wait till he comes back like it was was a lot of fun yeah he was great so but yeah um that is that is Dylan and Dr. Charles and Vanessa and next up across the hospital we've got Stevie and my favorite redhead Will take it away okay so we start off and we get some Stevie and Will banter they're bantering about some old was it a professor was that what no, it was? I think it, I think it was a classmate from med school. They were trying classmate, to, they were debating over like which classmate it was. Whatever. Yeah. They're debating about whether or not it's this one guy that Stevie thinks it is or not. Anyway, they're having this banter is the point of it all. It doesn't really matter what they're bantering about. They're having this banter and I loved every single second of it. Yeah, they're, they're, they're funny. And I love how Stevie just doesn't even hesitate to call him on his bullshit. She's like, oh my God, like you haven't changed since med school. You always have to be right. Yeah, I just, I really enjoyed that. 
Like, I just, I it didn't even feel that, like, flirty or anything yet. Like, I, I think eventually it's clear that they'll go there at some point. Mm-hmm. But, like, I just, I really enjoyed this, like, like you said, her picking on him and him trying to throw it right back. But she's too, like, no, I'm just going to throw it right back at you. Like, I just, I loved everything. Of, I, I really enjoyed it. We had, well, I, I posted the question a couple of days ago in, in the, we call it the One Chicago Pod Squad group chat so we have a group chat with the ladies from ladies night at molly's and the locker room and it's just such a funny place oh my god we have so much fun in there um but i so did ask the question for it last night so grateful for that chat oh my god night. thank god we all had each other last night was like a collective like group hug oh my gosh yeah. um it's a very very fun place but i did ask the question earlier this week i was like what kind of student do you think will was in in medical school and I'm kind of torn. I think he, like, part of me wants to say he was the class clown. The other part of me wants to say that he was a know-it-all. Like, he pretended to know every single answer, but really he was just a giant, like, mess. Well, I think you can be both. I think he probably was a combination of both. Um, I think he probably liked to have fun and, you know, liked to make jokes and whatever. But I think part of that, too, because we obviously know Will was not a great student. We've already learned that from Stevie. Like, he wasn't obviously top of his class. So I think he probably pretended, like he, like you said, he, that he knew everything, but was really hiding the fact that he didn't know that much and was, you know, just trying to get by. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Stevie leaves at one point and Will and Goodwin are talking and then all of a sudden Cooper shows up and Cooper mentions to Will about this critical care conference and how good it would be for Will to attend and Goodwin's standing right there and uh, Cooper's like, you know, if you can spare him for a day and Cooper, and Goodwin, of course, is obviously playing along because she doesn't, you know, with the whole scheme and she's like, yeah, I think we can get, you know, spare him for a day and obviously then Will and Goodwin share these looks and it's just... It's, it's pretty good which is like good win for please take him off my hands for just a little bit please yeah um but then we move into kind of the tension of the episode so later on stevie asks will for her you know for his opinion on a case and so she's got this older patient in her 70s i think um who's you know been down for a while and basically stevie's like you know she could use some cotter cardiac monitoring i think but i know you're big on the vascom so of course the person she went to was will and of course while will is you know trying to tell his opinion to stevie on you know the vascom and you know yeah sure that's a great option or whatever the rep who I'm not, I don't even know what to call her, her, the rep, the girl Will's eventually probably going to sleep with whatever her name oh, is. Oh, he better not sleep with her. Oh, don't put that into the universe. You don't think he's going to sleep with her? He's like 18. You don't think he's going to sleep with her eventually? I am going to oh. give William the benefit of the doubt and say that he has grown and he is not going to fall into bed with her. Her name is Jessa. Okay. Great. Okay. This is okay. Here's where we're at. Who do you think is more likely to sleep with who? Do you think Will is more likely to sleep with Vascom girl? Or do you think Gal is more likely to sleep with brewery girl? (laughs) Um, I love this question. I think Gal is more likely to sleep with brewery girl. I agree, but I still think it's likely that Will may sleep with little Miss Vascom. Like Uh, I I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. She's like, so young she's like 20 at like tops okay beyond that I just think I will be the first one to admit if I was wrong and if this is truly the will growth season then I will admit to that but 
part of me just feels like that is so will to like something's gonna happen and even if it's just like a one night drunken hookup state you know like I think will may end up sleeping with her I'm gonna be real mad at him if he has a one night stand with her you're gonna be like William literally I'm gonna be like William like I'm not mad I'm just disappointed if that happens and then Nick comes on the podcast after that like yeah yeah you're gonna like go hardcore explain yourself Nick (laughs) (laughs) also all credit for little Miss Vascom that goes to Lauren from the locker room she mentioned it in our group chat we were dying we were like little Miss Vascom that's hilarious But, but I mean, yeah, because I'm definitely not going to call it Jessa. Why would I do that? So Little Miss Vascom it is. It just makes um, me yeah. envision her with like a sash, like a beauty queen, like Little Miss Vascom. <laughs> um, but so anyway, yeah, she's like all of a sudden comes out of nowhere and like inserts, inserts herself into the conversation that Stevie and Will are having. Um, but anyway, Will caves and is like, yeah, patient, your patient is the perfect candidate for the Vascom. Like, let's do that. But like, Clearly, he was hesitant to use it at first after what happened last week and the fact that he almost tampered with Archer's machine, um, you know, and messed that up after Cooper got in his head a little bit. Like, he's he's hesitant to use it, um, which obviously goes against everything he's supposed to be doing with Goodwin, but he's hesitant to use it. Um, but anyway, so Stevie goes off and wherever she's doing – and all of a sudden, her patient has a mini stroke. So they decide, well, Will decides, he's like, you know, we need to pull the VASCOM. And I think it's Maggie that's like, okay, I'll let CV know. And he's like, no, 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 like, we don't have time for that. Like, it's got to it's gotta happen now. So Will, without consulting CV, even though it's her patient, pulls the VASCOM. And CV is pissed. Stevie mad. Yeah, she real mad. She real mad, yeah. It's she also, real, real mad. I, I'm, I wonder if, like, I wonder if it's just Will's suspicion or if Will actually knows that the VASCOM is a bad device. Like, yeah, because he, he was really quick to attribute the TIA to the VASCOM. But, like, does he know for sure that it's a bogus device or is he just kind of erring on the side of caution? I don't know. I don't even think he thinks it's a bad device because I don't think, I mean, clearly it's not. Obviously that what Goodwin and Will found out was that Cooper used it and all the times that Cooper decided to use it, despite his kickbacks have been the right call medically. And I don't think, you know, who knows if Cooper would use it even if it wasn't a good device. But I don't think it's about the fact that it's being a bad device. I think Will's afraid, like Will's kind of towing the line of like, oh shit, I almost fucked everything up last week. Yeah. And um, I don't know. Like, I think he's just subconsciously afraid that if he uses the VASCOM again, that like he's gonna fuck everything up for, you know, people when that it's not really the right call. I I don't know what Will's thinking, but I don't think it has anything to do with it being him thinking it's a bad device. Do we ever know what Will's thinking? That is a great point. Great point. Yeah. Also, I feel like this week's one Chicago was like the week of the hand tattoos because this is the first time I've ever noticed that Nick had a tattoo on his hand. Yes, that he apparently got last year. Okay, so Instagram. It looked to me like he got it last year, but then a couple of our listeners were saying he's had it for several years. Yeah, I've never seen it before, and I guess I mean obviously it's it's very small, and so I don't think we would really notice it. But they zoomed in on it this week, like they like made a point to like 
highlight the cross tattoo. So I just was like, oh, okay. But normally I'm not looking at every little part of Nick's hand. So like, I wouldn't, I don't think normally I would notice it. No, that's my job. <laughs> yeah, that's your job, not my job. No, and I only say it was like the night of hand tattoos because over on PD, if you pay attention at the very beginning, Royce has some hand tattoos as well. Does he? Yeah, there's like two or three. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I've never noticed. I've never noticed it before. They didn't zoom in on it enough, clearly. But also, it makes me laugh so hard that like they're gonna let Will Halstead have a tattoo, but they're gonna make Ruzik like cover Patty's tattoo. Uh, between those two characters, if you ask me who's more likely to have a tattoo, I'm gonna say Adam Ruzik every single time. When doesn't Joe have his tattoo too? Don't they yeah, show but us we Joe's? See Joe's? Yeah, we always see Joe's on his bicep. Right, but that's what I'm saying. We yeah. see Joe's. Joe's allowed to have one, but you know, I don't know. Like, if you were to ask me what one Chicago character is most likely to have a tattoo, I would pretty much be like, yeah, Adam Ruzik. That is a great question. I'm thinking now. Yeah, probably. You know who else I could see maybe having a tattoo? Haley Upton. Oh, yeah. She strikes me as a tattoo person. Yeah. Yeah. She's probably got it in a really painful place, too, because she's just a fucking badass. She's probably got it on her ribs. Oh, you know who else I could see one having a tattoo, too? Violet. Yeah, like a little one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I now need the comedy B story where Gallo, like, drunkenly gets Ritter a tattoo. And- Oh my God. Yeah. Like pretty much if you've ever seen how I met your mother with Brent, I know you haven't, but like the pineapple incident, just like Chicago fire style. Well, I also would like the storyline of Gallo, Violet and Ritter getting matching tattoos, like drunkenly. That oh, would be like amazing. Little beer bottles. Oh yeah. That would be amazing. Oh my heart. That's so cute. Cause that also seems like something they would realistically do. Yeah. 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 So. What about anyway. Severide? Do you think Severide has tattoos? I mean, Taylor has a ton. Yeah, Taylor's got, like, a lot. But Taylor's got a huge I... back piece. Well, and then there's that leg piece that Joe's wife did that one yeah. time. Um, when she was practicing. I saw it because it's a there's an Instagram video about that. Um, but, yeah. I don't know. Severide, it wouldn't surprise me if he's got, like, one or two. Um, but I don't think he has any, like, big pieces, like, Taylor does. I like this conversation. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> but, anyway. Um, anyway, back to so yeah. Point being, Stevie's mad. That's where we got from Stevie's mad. mad. But Will does the most unlike Will Halstead thing I've ever seen, but it's also the greatest thing I've ever seen. Will actually apologizes. Like a puppy who got swatted with a newspaper. He actually apologizes. You can practically see his tail between his legs. He's like, I'm sorry. Please love me. It's, it's, I, again, I, I'm shocked. Will I'm Hall shocked. said growth season. It is upon us. Yeah, I, like I said, I'm hoping we continue to lean into that because the Will Halstead circle may finally be getting broken, but still, we're. it looks like maybe we're getting there. No, I hope we're leaning into it, too, just so I can stop defending myself every time somebody's like, you like Will? Damn straight I like Will. Damn straight. <laughs> you mean me? I'm the one that says that. 
you like well what yeah you're just like what is wrong with you we agree on everything but that (laughs) yeah um but yeah so it turns out i mean then we get to will and stevie and like they're back on better terms um uh, they have they kind of end with their banter again and you know they're like we work well together and like she proves him wrong for it was whoever classmate professor whatever that she said it was not who will said it was like they just have another cute bantry moment um again adorable i enjoyed it um but then the episode ends and cooper comes by and you know is talking about the vast calm with will and will's like yeah you know i had to pull it and cooper's like hey yeah you made the right choice yada 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 he's like but now that we've like figured things out he's like i put the order in for another vast calm and it's like okay so square one yeah i guess you got a kickback for that awesome but yeah we're definitely back to square one i have a little bit of a confession to make here Okay. I, okay. So when they were bantering, and then who said we work well together? Was it Will? Um, I don't remember. I think it's Stevie, maybe. One of them said we work well together, and it was at that moment that I was like, I think I want them to make out. I do. I think I, I want them to make down out. the line. Down the line. But not in like not in a like oh my god I love you kind of way, in a let's make out and see if there's chemistry kind of way down the line will needs to like focus on himself he apologized that's a great first step yeah, keep but- working on yourself william and then go make out with the pretty lady i like- love that we just call him william now when we're trying to get a point across we're just like william william <laughs> william i mean but after six seasons of will doing fucked up shit i feel like we just we have earned the right to call him william i'm gonna agree with that i'm gonna agree with that next time nick comes on the podcast we're gonna be like hey so we call will william now william what do you think <laughs> William is that cool William <laughs> yeah yeah but I think I want uh, them to make out just to see if there's some chemistry and I, I always go back to the reference of that season of Dancing with the Stars when Alan was on with that model Alexis Alexis Ren bingo yeah and at that point I was like I just need them to make out to see if there's chemistry I think that's where I'm at with Will and Stevie Again, I'm here for if they eventually want to go there. Here for it, I think. I'm, I think I'm, I think I'd be into that, but I'm, that's like down the line. Will need William needs to focus on himself. William, but we did get we, yeah William, uh, but we did get some listener thoughts. Um, Kimberly J said Will's apology to Stevie, especially so soon after he went behind her back, was really surprising yet refreshing. Like he actually had the realization that he shouldn't have done something and owned it. I'm <laughs> definitely into Will's growth this season. What a novel concept! Will actually owned up to something he did, like right after it happened too. Unreal. It Unreal. only took seven seasons. Yeah. That's hilarious. Jess said, Will and Stevie's storyline was maybe my least favorite, just because I'm a little over the Vascom of it all. But I get that they have to find a way to work work it into each episode. I'm totally here for Stevie and Will's dynamic, though, be it platonic or romantic eventually. I just like how she gives him shit and doesn't back down. He needs someone like that in his life in whatever capacity. Here's my question for you. If Matt Cooper is not played by Michael Rady and he's played by, like, some other random dude, are we as invested in the Vascom storyline? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, maybe like 10% less. Because I'm digging it because I'm like, ooh, Michael Rady is a bad guy. We never see this. Well, he was a bad guy in Timeless, which you never finished. But, but 
but um yeah i think that definitely plays a good part of it yeah you know. that's fair it got canceled i was gonna finish it if it would get renewed i didn't want to get attached and then have my heart ripped out okay like but it's it worth it but it's worth it because their wrap-up movie the two-hour like christmas movie they did I mean, granted, I would have liked another couple seasons, obviously, but that I thought the wrap-up movie is like a perfect ending. Okay. And it's on Hulu, so you should go watch it. There's so many things to watch right now. I know there is, but like... I gotta watch Only Murders in the Building, because you've been talking about how Ah! good it is. The finale aired this week, and I... Yes, that is a quick binge, because it's only 30-minute episodes, and there's 10 of them, so... Oh, that's good. Okay. You can do that easily. Yeah, I gotta I gotta get back in my groove of like binging stuff. Um, I know. I yeah. Yeah. Vacation like totally screwed it up. By the way, I so so hope that Guy and Kristen take our recommendation of watching La Casa and like Oh my god, yes. Yeah. Did we yeah. suggest that to Joe? We didn't, did we? No, because we... Joe's into the comic book shows. <sighs> I know. I just want all of them to take our suggestions, watch it, and then we have to like do like a live show or whatever we only talk La Casa yeah yeah oh my gosh oh La Casa is so good if you haven't watched it yet like just go just go go what are you doing why are you turn this off and then go watch start actually it yeah turn back. it off because it's only gonna get sadder from here so turn us off go start it and then come back yeah come back and let us know what you're thinking yeah yeah so oh love it love it okay so um moving on to crockett and dr blake oh but before we do that it's worth noting that hallmark christmas movie season is right around the corner so we can see michael rady again in all of those christmas movies we absolutely love him is, in. yes and all the classics but he's not in one for like a new one right i don't think so i don't think he is the blasphemy i know i mean we get him every week on med so like you know but I would like him in another Hallmark Christmas movie. But also, I want to see him in, like, Christmas at Pemberley Manor and, like, <laughs> all the other I, ones We he's really done. need to find when that's coming on again, because I'm going to start start us with Marcel okay. and okay. Blake, okay. and cool. I'm going to find the next time that Christmas at Pemberley Manor is Yeah, we, we've pretty much, we've gotten the Hallmark schedule and the Lifetime schedule, and it's October, and we're already, like, here's what we're going to talk about with Emily. <laughs> like, it's bad. Well, it comes, I mean, it starts tomorrow i mean like this weekend like the new movies start at least on hallmark so it's like oh hell yeah oh that makes me so happy oh that makes me so happy okay well the next time it's on is october 27th at 6 a.m but that's only six days from now yeah but it's 6 a.m set your dvr yeah so there we go um real talk I totally might like we have YouTube TV I might re-up my AT&T account just for like October through December just for Hallmark we don't have it as part of our cable package uh, I know yeah Brenda did like a total do like, you have dog- lifetime do you have lifetime I think we I'm pretty sure we have lifetime yeah but I mean I don't watch it you need to, from- you might need to check on that too but because hello Christmas movies though I know I know and Chad Michael Murray's in a lifetime one this year so is uh Oh my God. Why can I not think of any names right now? Um, Monique Coleman and why can I not Corbin blue? Oh my God. I love Corbin. And they're in the, it's the high school musical reunion that I didn't know I needed in a Christmas movie. I didn't know it was a high school musical reunion. Cause I'm old. You did not just say that. 
<laughs> I did just say that. I'm old. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was like slightly too old for High School Musical. We've had this conversation too before. I, but like, uh, I can't. I can't. But yeah, that one is coming. But of course, it's airing the same night the Hanukkah one is. It's like literally the biggest first world problem I've ever had. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this yeah. has gone way off the rails. But anyway. Charlie and I have the Lacey Chabert rule where if Lacey's in it, we have to watch it. Uh, oh my god and then it's same with candace cameron beret yeah you know, obviously queen of hallmark she's in the one with um the guy that played bat on fuller house this Sorry, year brother Tim, did you see emily's so... tweet today yes it's gonna be so good oh my it's goodness so good. even though i'm team steve for life cool. i mean same 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 but like i'll take it yeah yeah oh my god i'm so ready for hallmark christmas movie season i'm just like yeah, i know i'm like okay like I don't want to fast forward through our shows, but I'm like, okay, can we get to December so we can have Emily on and we can do our annual yeah. episode? Like, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. ready. I'm just like, dude, this year has taken forever. I'm like, come to me, Hallmark Christmas movies. Yes. Make it rain cheesy goodness. Yes, please. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Anyway. Crockett anyway. and Dr. Blake. Yeah. Back to Crockett. Wait. One Chicago character most likely to eat up the Hallmark Christmas movies, aside from Sylvie Brett. I was going to say, I mean, aside from Sylvie Brett. Hmm. Violet. Gallo. <laughs> Gallo will watch whatever Violet watches. No, I think Gallo watches them by himself. Vanessa. I could see that. But who watches this a guilty pleasure? Ruzik. Kim Burgess. We watch together. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe watches as a guilty pleasure where jay's like are you watching what i think you are and she's like no hey, i i think though more likely the kim and rusik yeah. they watch together yeah 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 <laughs> Crockett and dr blake for like the 15th time we got this we got this <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay so Crockett's patient got hit by a car. That's, I mean, the, the, that's like starting, just hitting the ground running. Crockett's patient got hit by a car. Enter Dr. Blake. Dr. Blake, who is played by Sarah frickin' Rafferty. If you don't know who Sarah Rafferty is, I'm going to point you over to a little USA show called Suits. Oh my goodness. You never watched Suits though, did you? No, I think I've seen like the first episode I mean, I knew who she was. It wasn't like I like I knew who she was. It wasn't like I didn't, but I yeah, it doesn't mean as much to me because I haven't watched Suits. She played Donna freaking Paulson, as in like the woman who basically like anchored and changed Harvey Specter for the better. Oh my God, Suits! I discovered Suits at ATX. I yeah, that's I kind of keep thinking back on the time you know they had the big um, reunion and then Meghan Markle was just started dating Prince Harry at the time and she came and that was like such a big deal. But nobody said a word. Yeah, yeah. Um, the year because it's ATX and it's awesome. Yeah, it's so awesome. Yeah. So the year that that happened was the year that I got introduced to them via the panel. They were doing the Dawson's Creek script reading. I think this might have been like seventeen, maybe seventeen. Um, and it no, was I the- think that was 16. Cause I don't think that was the year. My, my first year was 17 and I don't think that was the same year. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So 16. Oh my God. A long time ago. Uh, and the, the Dawson's Creek thing was going to happen after suits in the same venue. So we went to line up early and they were like, Hey, like suits needs people. So like, go, just go watch it. And then like, we'll, we'll keep your place in line. 
And it was like the season five premiere. And I was like, I have no fucking clue what's going on. But I watched the premiere and I was like, this is actually kind of good. Kind of good. So then I went home and binged the whole thing. And I'm Suits Trash. Have been ever since. <sighs> Did you finish it? No. No, I didn't. Uh, I was going to say, I didn't think you did. I stopped after Patrick J. Adams and Meghan Markle left. Just gonna. Okay, but in my defense, okay, so they brought in Dulé Hill, which like West Wing, I will always show up for a West Wing alum, but they also brought in Catherine Heigl. Catherine Heigl. I knew but I feel so bad for her because she got like totally typecasted after Grey's and I feel so bad, but also like Catherine Heigl. Yeah. She just doesn't doesn't do it for me and that's fair but Julie Hill I'm like you were on the West Wing I'll follow you anywhere same I don't know that's my story anyway Sarah Rafferty so she mentioned she's like oh no like the patient's my daughter because Crockett and Archer are like you're a transplant surgeon like the fuck are you doing here and she's like no that's my daughter that's my daughter um the daughter who's also yeah, yeah, dun, dun, dun. Uh, the daughter who's also played by Johanna Brady, who was also on Quantico, if you ever watched that. Did you ever watch Quantico? No. Oh my God. Season one was like a masterpiece and then it all went to shit. Isn't Quantico the one that Priyanka Chopra Jonas was on? That it is. That's what I thought. That it is. Yeah. That's not oh, like, yeah. I... Season one was a yeah. masterpiece and then it just all fell apart. Anyway. Yeah, so the patient's her daughter is Dr. Blake's daughter. So um, Dr. Blake is like, I'm operating, I'm operating, I'm operating. Goodwin is like, like hell you are. Nope, not gonna happen. Uh, but Dr. Blake's like boss bitch energy, I'm here for it. Yeah, she was like, well, I make the most, this hospital the most money, so you should let me do it. And Goodwin's still like, no. Yes, girl boss it up. Like, I'm here for that. I'm here for that. But this is the one singular time you will ever hear me say this, but this is the only time that Archer's ego has ever come in handy. The only time. The only time. Because Archer's like, I'm super experienced. I know what I'm doing. Like, don't worry. Everything's fine. Like, I got this. And I'm, this is the one time where I'm like, yeah, okay, Archer, go on. Whatever. So then Crockett and Archer, they're operating. And Dr. Blake is pretty much trying to micromanage from the gallery. And... Crockett completely disagrees with her. Crockett's like, no, if we do that, this, this, and this is going to happen. Like, you've got to just let us operate. And Archer overrules. Like, no, no. The ego was nice, but then the overruling, I was like, and I hate you again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But when Crockett goes to confront Archer, he hits him with this, like, what the hell? And like, that was pretty satisfying. I will say that. Mm Mm-hmm. Archer was playing along with hospital politics. That literally sounds, though, like the most un-Archer thing to do, though. Like, Archer, in some ways, to me, kind of seems like he doesn't really care about hospital politics. Like, he's going to do what he wants and, you know, not really care what other people think. So, I don't know. It was kind of a little surprising to me. No, Archer's a kiss-ass. That didn't surprise me at all. I kind of saw it. I saw it a little differently, but. I wonder what's going to happen when Ethan comes back. If Ethan's going to realize, like, oh, shit, this guy who I looked up to in the military is actually, like, a giant asshole. 
Well, I think he kind of started to realize towards the end of last season, right? When, especially when they had that patient that ultimately ended up shooting Ethan. Yeah. Like the first time when the patient was in the hospital, I think Ethan is started to realize that but I, I i honestly kind of wonder if it's going to do the opposite effect like if it'll make him see archer any differently maybe in like not as terrible of a way or you know like i don't know i'll be curious to see yeah fair question fair question for sure um so the surgery goes fine and whatever and then crockett kind of bonds with the patient hi i don't know if you remember me from this morning i'm the surgeon on your case dr marcel mm. how are you feeling <sighs> Like I got hit by a car. Well, you did just have major surgery, but uh, it went well. I imagine you will feel a little better each day. Mm. Yeah. Here you go. Dr. Blake said to go slow. Thanks, Dina. Ice chips. My mom is in love with them. Frankly, I think they're just as much an aspiration risk as liquids. Aspiration risk? What are you, uh, you a doctor too? Made it halfway through third year of med school. Oh, okay. Realized I was doing it for my mom, not for me. Uh, I'm assuming you've met her by now. Made her acquaintance, yeah. She tried to scrub in. How'd you guess? Ugh, I know my mom. <laughs> she didn't talk to me for six months after I quit med school. Wow, that's rough. The day I took control of my life, best move I ever made. Anyway, I should let you get some rest. Um, Enjoy your ice chips, and uh, I'll check back later. Mm. So wait, what did you end up doing after med school? I'm a malpractice lawyer. Medical? Your mom must be very proud. <laughs> I think they're flirting, and I'm totally here for it. Okay, I tweeted about this. I The rumor, the, the, and I, I won't say rumor, the theory going around is that, because obviously in an interview, it had said that Crockett was getting a new love interest. So the theory going around was that it was Dr. Blake. And as the episode kind of started, I was like, really? Like, I don't know if I see that. I mean, granted, it was just a theory. But then this scene happened with Dr. Blake's daughter, whose name I don't remember. Avery. Um, yes, Avery. I was like, ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually into that. Like, I'm in. If that's where they want to go with it, I'm here for that. Give me that. Uh, yeah, I'm here for it if he wants to hook up with the daughter. I'm totally here for it for that. I really hope they don't set up a situation where, like, he's in a triangle between the mother and the daughter. That would be really uncomfortable. Oh, no, 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 no. I just, I don't see personally, I think it'll be interesting to see because they've also talked about in interviews how Crockett's really trying to, you know, this season is about Crockett trying to figure out, like, what he wants to do, set in his roots in Chicago, and kind of actually for the first time really looking at his future. Mm -hmm. So I'd be curious, to, I think it'd be interesting to see, like, Crockett in, like, learning from dr blake as like a mentorship mm -hmm. but i don't necessarily see any like chemistry romance like on a romantic level between him and sarah rafferty um whereas i really felt it with uh avery so like go that route with avery and go in a different route with like dr blake yeah you know what was weird to me in this episode is that i mean dr blake is like yeah that's my daughter that's my daughter she really doesn't seem that concerned like she pretty much approaches everything like a doctor the entire time not like you never see the motherly part of her pull through well and i mean she much avery so much as says that right to crockett about how the fact that like once avery dropped out of medical school that i mean she went six months and you know dr blake didn't even want to have anything to do with her mm -hmm. 
So does that really surprise you? Not really. It doesn't surprise it, me. It just made it a little hard to believe. I was like, this is your daughter. Why aren't you freaking the fuck out? But I think it's because like we said, Avery, just what Avery said, like, I think she's so focused on being a doctor and being there for her patients. And, you know, mm-hmm. like that is all she really cares about. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Avery has like a complication and she needs to go back into surgery. And Dr. Blake is basically just like chirping away. She's getting in the way. She's doing all sorts of stuff. So at one point, Crockett finally hits her with a back off Dr. Blake. And we're all just like, oh, snap. Oh, he did that. Uh, so he fixes the problem. Everything's great, whatever. And then poor Crockett is asleep at like three in the morning and he gets a voicemail from somebody at the hospital wanting him to scrub in on one of Dr. Blake's surgeries. So I guess Dr. Blake was totally okay with him pushing back. Yeah, I guess it impressed her. Mm -hmm. Hmm, Don't know. So uh, Kimberly J said, can people please stop questioning Crockett and let him do his thing? He is really good at his job and the only doc at med who doesn't regularly do questionable things. Also, Dr. Blake's daughter is his new love interest, right? They for sure had a moment in her room. They totally did. I really hope she's the love interest. I really hope so too. Yeah. Um, Jess said, I think we all learned from Crockett's case this week, never to doubt him because he clearly knows his stuff. I love Sarah Rafferty. So even if her character was pretty annoying, I love seeing her in the episode, but her character's daughter wants to come back. She's welcome anytime because I was digging her in Crockett's tiny little flirty vibe. Um, <laughs> I am curious to see where Crockett's go- character is going this season because it looks like he's wanting to move up in the hospital. Yeah, I'm excited for this new, this new version of Crockett. He's growing. Yeah, yeah he's growing. So nice. Jamie said, as I tweeted during the show, I officially hate Dr. Blake more than I hate Dr. Archer. Ooh, ooh, that's a hot take. All right, Mm -hmm. all right. She's the biggest dick of them all. The fact that she got Dr. Archer to shut up, that was nice, but I didn't like how she handled the whole situation. It was her her way or no way. What kind of asshole parent doesn't talk to their kid for six months because they made a career decision that was best for them? Aren't you supposed to love your kids for who they are, not who you want them to be? That rubbed me the wrong way. It rubbed me the wrong way, too. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. I don't know if I hate her more than I hate Archer. That's, I, I don't know if I'm there yet. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I agree with the last part. Yeah. So, any other notes on med? No, I think that's it. All right. Stretch it out. I'm not ready. I'm not I, yeah, ready. Yeah, I know. We usually say stretch it out after fire, but we got to do it before fire this well, time. We're doing it before every episode this week. Stretch it. Just, oh, I'm not, I just, uh. Uh. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I already I, feel, I don't want I can already like, I can already feel the tears coming. <laughs> There's a part of me that's like, I don't want to do this. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to. Okay. <laughs> okay. We got to start with Casey. <laughs> I know. <laughs> do you want it or do you want me to take it? I mean, I can do it. It's fine. I mean, I'm I'm not going to get through it either way, so I I can take it. It's fine. Okay, so let's 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 just be real. Let's make sure we're all real clear here right now, guys. From here on out, we are about to get real honest and real emotional and yeah. This is honestly maybe the most emotional I have ever been on this podcast, like not going to lie. If you cry, it might make me cry. I may cry. I, I, I'm honest. I, I may cry. I feel I like cry. I got sucker punched. Okay. You sure you don't want to revisit med for any reason? <laughs> yeah. Can't we just stay in med land where everything was fine? Let's just talk about med again. Surely we missed something. 
<laughs> Let's do it all over again for another hour. Oh. Yeah, it's fine. Oh. Uh, Go ahead. Okay. Rip the bandaid off. Casey. We got this. So the episode starts. First of all, they attacked me in the rewind because they played um the Bretzy I love you scene again. I was not expecting that. I was like, that was like a sucker punch right there. I was like, oh man. Given what happens anyway. in the episode, that was just mean. Yeah, it, it was real mean, real mean. So they start off the episode and Casey goes to Brett's place right after this, is like right after he gets back from Oregon, although he went to the firehouse first. So it's still the timeline doesn't make a ton of sense. But anyway. And so she's like on the phone as he like walks in and she's like, hi, baby. And I'm just like, and I'm like, hit me in the feels. Why don't you like hit me right in the feels? We finally get a hi, baby. And it's this episode. Right. Really? Really? Okay. And so Casey like sits her down and they have this like honest conversation. He's like, I don't really know how to say this, but I have to move to Oregon. And just, and then to Brett's of course, like, well, you're, you're leaving. And like the look on her face when she says that, it's just like, it hurts my heart. It hurts my heart. And so he's like, well, it's not, it's not going to be permanent. Like, he's like, you know, I just need to get Ben to college. And once I get Ben to college and I come back. So basically he's going to be in Oregon for the next three years. But he's not though. This is uh, like, okay, Ben's going to turn 18 and then he's going to go to college. Guess who's still a minor? Ben? Not if he's 18. What? No, we're talking about Ben, not Griffin. Griffin's the oldest. Oh, yeah, Ben, because Ben's 15. I'm still mad. Okay, go on. (laughs) Anyway, but so, yeah, he's like, it's only going to be three years, like, and then I'm coming back, like, I I promise. But he wants Brett to come with him, or at least for them to do long distance. He's like, I want to make sure this doesn't change anything between us. But, like, and, like, it's, I understand what he means. Like, I get it. Like, he, he obviously, regardless, wants to be with her, but, like, it's obviously going to change regardless because they're not going to be together in Chicago. Like even if they were together in Oregon, they're still in a place they're not familiar with. So the relationship is going to change regardless of whether they're together physically or together separately. Yeah. Okay. The first time he said this, I was like, well, that's dumb, but okay. Then he said it again later in the episode. And I was like, all right, Matt, sit down before I smack you. Okay. Like I, I agree. Like, I'm glad that he said that and that he doesn't want to break up with her and that he wants, I mean, I don't, think it was maybe the necessarily the right thing to ask her to come with him but like I'm glad that he does he still wants to be with her but like for it's I think naive of him to think that it's not going to change the only way their relationship wouldn't change if he said it's like hey I'm gone to Oregon for say like a month while I get the boys together whatever and then we're coming back to Chicago then I think nothing changes because he's just Mm -hmm. gone while he gets the boys back to Chicago but like for three years I mean three years is a long time yeah um but anyway, so then the next scene we see Herman and Ritter are discussing it as they're walking into work and Ritter's like, is he really just like up and moving? And Herman, of course, has to fill him in. He's like, for Andy Darden's boys, like, absolutely. And Ritter comments about how like sudden it seems and Herman's like, you know, Casey was made for this. Like if anyone's going to step up when a kid's in need, it's, in him. it's him. And that's true. It is Casey at the core and we'll get there again in terms of how kind of things end. But like, I just wish Casey didn't think it had to be like he sacrifices so much of his life to help others. 
Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, I think he's doing the right thing, but I just wish he didn't have to sacrifice so much of his life. Yeah. And, and we'll get into it, into like the circumstances surrounding everything, but yeah, no, yeah. I, I totally yeah. agree. Go on. So Casey, they have an morning meeting and Casey's like, you know, I spoke, I reached out to everyone off shift. Like I'm trying, you know, he like tries to explain himself and his move to all 51. And I love though, how he tried to do it in like firefighter terms. <laughs> um, and he's like, you know, I wouldn't be rushing into this if I didn't think lives were on the line. He's like, I want you all to know that. I just thought it was cute that he did it in firefighter terms. Cause obviously mm-hmm. explaining it to a bunch of firefighters in firefighter terms makes sense. Um, so they go on a call and it's not that important. It's a car tire to the face call. New, unusual, a little bit, but whatever. It's fine. Anyway, <laughs> not important right now. Not important. They get back from that call though. And Casey mentions to Gallo that like when they talked about Gallo staying in 81, staying with 81, that like he had no idea at that point about him leaving. And honestly, Gallo broke my heart in this scene. He was like, you know, Captain, he's like, when I lost my family, it was the fire chief that made sure I didn't fall through the cracks. He's like, I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for him. And he's like, you know, I think it was great that those boys are going to have you in their lives. I was just like, Gallo's losing his dad. Like, again, again. Yeah, it hurt. It hurts. And like, and you could tell, obviously, Gallo's sad like you can tell that but he's like trying not to let Casey see that he's sad and it's just like oh my god it hurts I wonder if he's gonna go to squad now I don't know we'll we'll get there there's a lot of questions about like the dynamics at 51 and we'll we'll, we'll get there yeah um but so of course Bowden has to stop by for a visit and like shake Casey's hand in person. And even Bowden's trying not to get emotional. He's like, you know, when I first met you, I knew within a day that you were the kind of man who would put everyone else's needs in front of your own. And I'm just like, uh, just everything about it. Like every time someone said something to Casey, I was oh, so emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I just my heart uh but yeah so he tells Bowden in this conversation too that apparently he's got some leads on some firefighting jobs out in Oregon and Bowden's like cool if you know if you need reference like I've got you Casey's like awesome so as Brett is waiting to be picked up by Mount for paramedicine day one which we'll get to that in you know later on uh Matt is FaceTiming with Griffin and they're talking about getting groceries and I'm like starting to think I'm like this is kind of real like this is getting real like he's gonna go to Oregon like he's talking about like in a couple days like he's going to Oregon and I just um so of course though before Brett goes off he reminds her again that he's like you know there's zero pressure but like I would love for you to come with me to Oregon um and i'm glad so sylvie responds she says you know it's just like what you have to understand is that i've moved away from a relationship before and i've run away from a different one like i'm still coming to grips with it i thought that was super important that they threw that out there yeah i i did i did like that we honored the callback well not even just for the fact that they honored the callback for me but like i think you know I think it was important to see that like Brett, I mean, and obviously we'll get to Brett's, you know, kind of final, you know, decision in a minute, but like, you know, she's done this already. And I think she was afraid that if she did it, you know, like what she says, you know, I'm still coming to grips with it. I think she was afraid that if she did it again for Casey, no matter how much she loved him, she was 
afraid that she was going to lose a bit a piece of herself because she did in the last two instances yeah Uh, with Harrison and obviously then with the chaplain but you know I think she was afraid that that was what was going to happen and I'm just I'm glad that they a made the callbacks but b like that they highlighted that that it wasn't just that she didn't want to go or didn't want to be an organ or whatever like that she was afraid as much she loved Matt that she was going to lose you know a part of herself yeah and I you know part yeah yeah like I just want I, I want to like I want people to normalize the idea of putting yourself first. It's admirable AF what Casey's doing, right? His best friend died. He's going to take care of his boys. Admirable AF. But also, let's also normalize putting your needs first too, right? So like they're both in the right here. Yeah. And especially like we will get to in a second, but like with Brett and her paramedicine, like she just kind of finally found her passion project and, you know, is finally getting that up and running and she just didn't want to abandon it. It's again, it's nothing to do with Casey. It's just, you know, she was afraid she didn't want to lose herself. And also, especially right as she was finding herself in, you know, professionally with this paramedicine project. Mm-hmm. Um, so Casey gets in this one last firefight with 51. It's a church that's like gone up in flames. Um, but the moment, one of the moments that killed me was like, obviously, 51 gets on the scene first so Casey starts calling out orders and then Bowden rolls up on the scene and like before Casey's set to walk in the church and like while he's putting his mask on he like looks over and sees Bowden and Bowden just gives him this nod and I was just like I can't I was like I can't mm, it makes me so sad I know uh, I can already feel too uh, yeah same come. same <laughs> but like closer we get to the end I could just like feel I know like, anyway. I know it makes um, me so sad but anyway um so while they're in this church you know that's got up in flames like I love the little moment too where like Casey saves Severide from the roof beam collapsing yes. um you know and then they have that moment at the out you know once they finally get out of the church and Severide's like you know I can't believe it and Casey's like what using a church pew for a bridge and Severide's like no like this might be our life's firefight together and Casey still is emphasizing he's like no 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 like I'm coming right back like three years it'll go by like nothing and then Severide kills me he's like I'm gonna miss you man and I'm just like oh my god emotions one especially for someone who's not I mean granted I think he's come a long way but for someone who doesn't openly share his emotions like that for Severide to say I'm gonna miss you man it's like that is says like honestly a thousand words it hurts so much yeah um but then, okay, and I didn't really know where to put this in the outline, so it goes here because it, I guess it kind of goes with there. So 51 starts doing overhaul and finds a dead cat under one of the pews. Okay. And then we find out, because the next stuff you see is the scenes of Molly's, and Severed gets stopped at Molly's by none other than our favorite fan meter. Oh, hey. Yeah. And whenever Van Meter shows up, you're like, okay, crack the knuckles. Like, Severide's about to go all arson, and it's about to be amazing. Again, though, um, we're so desperate for familiarity at this point. We're like, Van Meter, yes, come here, come here. Good to see you. How are you? Well, and especially because, again, when Van Meter shows up, that means arson, Severide in an arson case is right around the corner, and it's like, yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but so apparently, according to Van Meter, the cat at the church fire was soaked in gasoline. So the cat was the origin point for this whole church fire. 
what? And I cannot emphasize this enough. The fuck? <laughs> I did not see that coming at all. Okay, like, and I, I, I'm, I should save this for when we get into like the listener reactions and everything. I feel like this episode kind of robbed us of a proper 200th celebration. But at the same time, this was just, this is too much. Too far. <laughs> too far. I just, I don't even think it's too, like, it's not even to me that it's too far. I just, I, I have so many questions. I don't even want to think of, ah, no, like, I'm not a cat person. I actually hate cats, but I don't want to think of a cat being, like, tortured, like, ah, no, like, too far. There is a line, it has been crossed, no. Did Derek write this episode? Derek wrote this episode, right? He did write this episode. Derek, what there, are you? There are some things. What are that, you like, doing? There are some things in real life that are too twisted for TV. Even like, if you're on FX, if you're on some cable network where you can get away with that shit, cool. No, not 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 here. Not NBC. That is too far. I can't. I can't stomach animals getting tortured. Like I can't. It makes me want to go find Pepper right now and squeeze him and hug him. Like, no, nope. Mm-mm. Yeah. So. And obviously we know from episode descriptions that this is about to be kind of what Severide is involved in in the next couple episodes. So I guess we'll find out more. Maybe my questions will be answered. But yeah, that's where we're at right now. Anyway. So also at Molly's, Casey and Severide are talking and Casey apparently does have a job locked down in Oregon that apparently just like one call from Bowdoin got him a spot at a firehouse. And of course, Casey's going to convince his BFF to come out and visit. He's like, you should come out this winter. Like, give me a hand. And Severide's like, forest fires? I'm game. And I'm I'd just like. I'd pay money to see Severide fight a forest fire. I would pay money. Give me that. I mean, I don't want a spinoff. I want them all to stay on the show. But like, I would take the spinoff of Casey and Severide, like out in the forest fighting fires. Sev would be like a rogue cowboy. He would have the time of his life. He would just be like, fuck yeah, like, like, give me this fire. I just, I just picture them being dropped into the 911 and Lone Star crossover. And like how how that goes, like, obviously that was centered around like a brush fire. So like, Mm -hmm. I just... Yeah, I just imagine them being, like, dropped off in Texas. If Casey's going to Portland, that means Seattle is only, like, a hop, skip, and jump away. I mean, hey, he can go play with our favorite firefighters in Seattle. That works, too. Okay, crack ship time. Casey and Andy? No, I don't picture him with any of them. No? No, that... Casey and Andy, are you serious? I'm thinking. I'm behind on Station 19, by the way, so... Um, yeah. Lord have mercy. You've got a lot to... No, I know. I'm behind. I'm behind. But I know Andy and Sullivan are, like, about to get divorced. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. shutting up because I have something I want to say and I'm not going to spoil it. No, I'm way behind. Um, But I do know Maya and Karina got married. Yeah, that was last season. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm still <laughs> on last season. I'm somewhere between, like, Ben already had surgery and... Uh, Karina and Maya just proposed, or Maya just, or Karina just proposed to Maya. Oh, you're like way behind. Shit. But yes, I am way behind on Station 19 is the moral of the story. Yeah, but back to what we, how we got into that is I do not see Casey and Andy together. But anyway, 
Casey can still go play in Seattle. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but so while Casey and Sapphire are talking, Brett asks if she can steal Casey for a minute, and the two of them go outside. And I'm sorry to take you away from Molly's. I'd rather be with you. I just want you to know I want to stay together. Me too. I'm not moving to Oregon. I, I absolutely see why you have to go, but I'm clear-eyed on why I need to stay. I, mean, I just got this paramedicine program up and running, and, and one day I saw how much good it can do, and I, I built it, you know, from the ground up, and it's, it's mine, and I, I, I have to see it through. Sylvie, you don't have to explain more than that. I get it. But you and me, I'm going to keep being you and me. Well, that's why we have plane tickets and FaceTime and there's an end date in sight. Yeah? Yes. Silly. Half the reason I know I can do this for Griffin and Ben is because I know I have you supporting me. Whether that's right here or halfway across America, Nothing's going to change. I have a problem with this. Why? Because, okay, like, we spent all this time building up Bretzi, right? All this time, all this work building them up. And now we're just going to leave Sylvie high and dry on Matt's hook, nonetheless. And now they're going to do long distance. Like, that's not fair to her. So what's she going to do? Just sit around by the window pining for him for the next three years? That's crap. Here's, okay. So I, I think it, it is just kind of, I think as much, obviously, Bretzi is one of my favorite parts about the show. So I think it is just kind of, and Jesse has even said as much, and we'll get there, that like, it is just kind of, Bretzi is just kind of the victim of unfortunate timing that like, just as they're kind of getting together is, you know, when he felt like he needed to you know step back from the show like it is just kind of the timing of it at all and it sucks and I understand what you say about like Sylvie you know it's kind of sucks you know it's unfair to her that like she's just going to be stuck pining after Matt but like I'd almost feel like it'd be a disservice to the last you know three years if they all of a sudden were like well yeah you know when they got together in the finale like that's not you know we're gonna break them up now like it honestly I, I feel like it would just kind of ruin the last three years I'm trying Me. to like I'm trying to like put myself in Sylvie's shoes right like not with Charlie but my the the guy I dated before I met Charlie like years before we had been friends for two years before we got together and if we had just gotten together we'd been months into our relationship and he was like I have to move to xyz place I would have been like okay we're gonna end it and like, I hope everything works out for the best. It's just not fair to her. She's on his hook. It's just not fair. I, I get what you're saying. I do. But I also think it's different because obviously I know how I don't want to throw your age out on the podcast, but it, I know. And I know how long you've been with Charlie. So like, 
that relationship having years prior, that would have been what in your twenties? Yeah, I was like 20. I was like early twenties. Oh my God. That was like 10 years ago. I'm fucking old. But okay. So point being though, that was your early twenties. I think it's different too with them because obviously Brett's in her thirties. We don't know exactly how old she is, but Brett's in her thirties somewhere. Um, and then obviously Casey's like 41, you know, and like, I mean, they're very, you know, they're, they're in very different places in their lives. So I understand like, once you feel like you found that person, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with them trying either. Like if it, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Right. Like, I mean, I will be upset as much as anyone if it doesn't work and that's a different conversation, but like, I think it would be weird if they didn't try. That's fair. Yeah, no, that that's completely fair. Especially, especially because like if, it's go ahead. Go ahead. No, no go ahead. I was gonna say, especially, especially if you think you've got end game level shit on your hands, then yeah, okay. To, to 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 tough it out and try it and make sure that you guys like can withstand it, that makes more sense. Yeah, and I just think too, like I said, I think it would be a disservice to the last three years to go, you know, forth and break them up. And I just, like I said, I mean, maybe this is, again, the Bretzy loving couple and, you know, it loving them and me is that I just, I, I think it, I think it makes sense. Like, I mean, yeah, obviously it sucks what I like for them to be in the same place, like having a real, you know, an actual relationship. Yeah. But like, I'm okay. I think I'm okay with this. Okay. That's fair. Um, but anyway, so then we get you know kind of the end so casey stops by 51 last time before he heads out to oregon um he and sylvie have their kind of last moment but of course they get interrupted by those damn bills <laughs> and ambo gets caught on the call and so she leaves and i can't tell because it's like half off camera but he does slap her butt right like that is what he's doing if he didn't okay if he didn't slap her butt he definitely goosed her because there was like some sort of noise where like Somebody's butt was involved in some way, shape, and form. Somebody, whatever. I, I thought yeah. it was cute, whatever it was, but you like don't see it actually happen on screen. You just kind of like you said, hear it. So like yeah. unclear, but anyway. So Amber leaves, and then though before Casey can leave for good, like all of the OGs, not everybody, but all of the OGs come out and say goodbye, and of course Bowden has to say some words, and we get this. Hey. You don't get to leave without saying one last goodbye. I'm gonna speak for everyone. For over 10 years, you made this firehouse a very special place. Everyone you met along the way got to call you friend. Everyone you worked with on this shift, well, we got to call you brother. This place will never be the same. I thank you for your kindness and generosity, your passion for this job. You will be dearly missed, brother. I hate it here. I'm already, like, we didn't even, like, we didn't even say it. like I haven't even said the words and I'm already like I can feel the tears coming I hate it here I hate it here so much this is the scene last night that got me I started crying a little bit 
And then, but obviously still at this point, we didn't really know officially what was happening. And then when I rewatched it this morning, it was like 6.30 a.m. And I was rewatching the outline and I bawled again. I bawled even harder. I was like, why is it? I don't think I can, I don't know if I can watch the scene ever again. I was, I was mad. I was just mad because Again, I, I feel like we got robbed of a proper 200th celebration. This was not a celebration of 200 episodes. This was stressful, is what this was. Like, it it was stressful. It wasn't a proper 200. And then also we had this scene and we were like, the fuck, ha- the fuck just happened? Like, what the hell happened? If we hadn't had those articles immediately after the episode had ended, we wouldn't have known for sure that Jesse was leaving. Like- Well, I think we were always gonna have the articles come out, but- yeah, I just okay. I guess okay. So I guess we have to say it officially now. Like Jesse Spencer has decided to leave the show. I guess should we start talking about the quotes and then we'll go into it a little bit more? Should we say some of the stuff that he said? Okay. Yeah. Let Let's just talk. Let's recap the postmortems and then we'll kind of dive in. Okay. So I only put the quotes that we got from the Us Weekly one because he did a press conference with reporters. So they all got the same, like everything, they may have worded their sentences a little differently, but it's all basically, you know, the same information. So he says, you know, the reason that he, Jesse has decided to leave, he says, you know, I've been doing TV for a long time. He's like, I added it up. And I think this is year, this year is my 18th year of network television straight since I went from straight in from straight from house into Chicago fire. He's like, we were coming up to the 200th episode. So I called Derek and made a personal decision and broke the news that I thought it was time to leave the show. And he agreed that we should at least get Casey to 200. Um, it was a difficult decision because I've loved this show from the start, but there's other things that I would love to do in the future. And there's some family that I need to take care of. 18 years is a long time. That's a long stretch. Should I keep uh, Yeah. Yeah. Just hit on some other points. Okay. So it says, again, this is from Us Weekly. It says, so, you know, for Spencer, leaving the show feels bittersweet, but he knows it's not forever. As a lead, you don't want to leave a show, but I wanted to leave the show. It was a time for me. It was okay saying goodbye because there is the potential for me to come back. I am still in Chicago right now. I'm not running off to Los Angeles or anything, although I might escape a little bit for the winter. He says, my home is here with my wife and my home here with my life is in Chicago and I'm still going to be here. I'm just stepping back for right now. This confused me because I'm like, if the articles are like, he's exiting, he's exiting. And then he's like, oh, I'll be back. Which one is it? Yes or no? I think by exiting, they just mean... I mean, clearly he's not, I mean, he's not on the show right now. He's not a regular anymore. I mean, they've taken him off the propsters. You know. um, by the way, too soon? Yeah, that really hurt, by the way. Yeah. Like, really hurt. I didn't expect it to hurt that bad, but it really hurt. Um, I think just by exiting, they mean he's no, I mean, he's not the top of the, you know, call list anymore. Like, he's not, you know, the main guy on the show anymore. I think that's just what they mean by exiting. I don't think by exiting, they mean he's never coming back. Clearly. That's that's what I get is that he's not coming back. When when he says, oh, I'll be back, I'm imagining it like Monica Raymond style where she comes back for like one episode, two episodes. Here's the thing. I think in the beginning, that's how it's going to be. Like, honestly, at this point, and we'll get to some of the stuff, I think he's coming back this season. I think if Stellaride gets engaged, if Stellaride really gets married this season, he's coming back. I hope so. And they kind of hint at it. And again, we'll get to some of those quotes. But, and so I think in the beginning, it may just be periodically, but 
the way they put so much emphasis on it's only three years, it's only three years. Like, you know, I'm coming right back. I'm coming right back. You know, like the fact that they just put so much emphasis on it, it really wouldn't surprise me if in a year or two we got Jesse coming back to the show. This whole, it's weird. It's, this is all really weird. But see, I'd honestly, I think that makes it to me a little more comforting. But yeah, because I mean, I understand. it's more, I'm not saying it'll be, I mean, it may not be his season, season if Celeri doesn't get married this year, but which like that would seem a little weird if they don't get married this year. But um, whenever it is that he comes back, when we've had other characters leave, they're just like, peace out, I'm gone. It's been a great ride, but like, I'm gone. And like, we've seen obviously like with Monica coming back, you know, her, she's only come back once, right? Right. Feels like yeah. twice, but if you count I, yeah, I'm like, it, it, Yeah, I guess it, once, once, once officially. Um, but like, and sometimes, you know, characters have been killed off. So that's obviously you can't come back then. But like, we've seen other people just be like, peace out. Like I enjoyed my time on the show, but like, it's, it was time for me to move on and like never really look back. But this one, I mean, you can tell that this wasn't an easy decision for him. This is something he really, you know, has been weighing on his heart. And, like, to me, it makes it a little bit easier knowing that, like, he's doing what's best for him right now. And that doesn't mean that fire isn't in his future. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so let's dive into this a little bit. Let's kind of choose your own adventure out of it. And I will say this, though. Um, I have not seen nearly as much rage about Jesse leaving as there was when Monica left. Um, and by rage, I mean like tweets, you know, just just kind of angry tweets. Rage I, I, meaning like hatred towards some like the writers or like rage meaning like, what do you mean by rage specifically? I mean, primarily rage towards Derek really. Um, but Derek and the writer's room. I have not seen, I really haven't seen any. But let's reason this out just in case there is any because i i was angry at first i'm not gonna lie even brina like brina last night was like i can tell you're angry i was like, i'm sorry um but let's like choose your own adventure here okay so jesse let everybody know between seasons nine and ten okay that means the finale was already done you know squad was already in the ocean there's nothing we could have done right so if they were going to get him to 200, they did only have five episodes to do it. There is no way they could have, they couldn't have rewritten the finale because they didn't know, right? There's no way to have done that. And then furthermore, if they wanted to write him off in 1001, what the hell were they going to do? Just like have him go underwater and never come back up? That would have been ridiculous, right? So yeah. there really was no other way for him to exit than this way. And so it makes sense. It was well executed. It just hurts like hell. Yeah, definitely. No, definitely. I think, I think this is the best, as much as it hurts, like you said, I think this is definitely, honestly, I think one of the best exits from fire, like they had the chance, they knew it was coming. They had chance to actually kind of set it up. I mean, there's some things I wish they maybe, you know, that hurt a little bit more looking back on it, like all the Brett stuff and whatever. I'm like, oh man, that hurts so much. Like knowing they kind of leaned so heavily into it and knowing that, and they all knew that he was leaving. Mm -hmm. So that kind of hurts a little bit looking back on it. But I, I like that they actually kind of spent time, set it up, like 
you know, with other characters who have left, whether it was their decision or not, it just kind of happened. And I think that's, I think to me, that's the biggest difference with Monica leaving and with Jesse leaving is that Monica's kind of came out of nowhere. Like mm-hmm. nobody really expected her to like actually go to, if she went to Puerto Rico, people were like, oh, she's going to Puerto Rico. That's the season finale. She'll be back by episode one. And then they were like, no, 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 Monica's leaving. We were like, wait, what? Um, same thing even like on PD, you know, when Sophia Bush was leaving, we we're like, oh no, we've seen her before. You know, she's going off to New York, but she'll be back, whatever. And then she just like left. Um, but like with they actually took the time and like as early as last week, they were like, No, 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 like Casey's going to Oregon. And we were like, and so it was kind of our own naivete that was like, No, 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 he's not going to Oregon for real. So like it was our fault that we chose not to believe it, I guess. Yeah. But they didn't the writers like set it up. They were like, No, 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 like you've been warned, Casey's actually going to Oregon. Um, we just didn't want to believe it. Exactly. And with Sophia Bush leaving and with Monica leaving, they had warning both times, right? I'm I'm nobody to sit here and be like, let me critique this job I absolutely have no experience in. But with Sophia and Monica, they they had warning and it was just kind of it felt thrown together at the end, right? Yeah. Well, and I think especially too with Monica, I mean, I think people have been trying to compare two all day to like Jesse leaving and Monica leaving but I think the difference with Monica leaving is that Monica was just right I mean she enjoyed her time obviously as Gabby Dawson she gave us six incredible years with that character but Mm -hmm. she was Monica was ready to move on to other projects yeah and I feel like with Jesse I mean granted he mentions you know sometimes that like he would obviously you know there's other things he would love to do in the future but like to me it was like clearly he says you know, that I, I don't think it was necessarily much as he was ready to move on from the show and do other things as much as it was just there was other stuff going on in Jesse's life that he needed that to be the priority. And so and that required him taking a step back from fire. Exactly, exactly. And, and I, I think so. I think obviously both choices are actor choices. And if there it was their choice and not Derek's choice, then that's fine with me. Like, I, I'm going to be OK with it regardless, even if it makes me sad. Mm-hmm. But like. I think those are the two different situations. I think Monica was just ready to move on and try something different. Jesse, I think, has something going on that requires more attention right now than Fire does. And that's totally okay, too. And for some reason, the the first thing I'm thinking of right now is that song from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend when it's like, put yourself first in a sexy way. Like, yeah, that's exactly what Jesse's doing is he's putting himself first and he wants a break. He's earned, he's earned it. I mean, well, and somebody, I don't remember who was where I saw it. I think I've seen it on Twitter and maybe in our Patreon group too. But like somebody put it as like, Jesse's been on television straight for the length of a childhood, right? Like for 18 years. Like yeah. that's crazy with no break. Nope. Like, and I don't think I even really realized that house went straight. Like the same year that house ended is when fire started. I don't think I really realized that. So like, that's crazy. I mean, he, the man deserves a break regardless of it. Like the man deserves like a real break. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you feel right now, but I, talking through it right now is actually making me feel better. Yeah. I kind of, I mean, it makes me feel better. I'm still sad and I think I'm going to be sad for a while. Um, you know, I was thinking about this last night and honestly, one of the first things that came to my mind, like, and this was like kind of right after it happened, um, was that quote that says, you know, like, 
how lucky I, how lucky I am to have something that makes saying so goodbye so hard. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think we would all be this upset either if we obviously didn't love Matt Casey and then love Jesse Spencer and what Jesse Spencer has brought to the character of Matt Casey, right? Like, we wouldn't be this upset if it was a character we hated or anything like that. Like, the reason we're all so sad is because Jesse has given us this. I'm going to like, I couldn't start crying now. Um, You know, like Matt Casey has been this incredible character for the last 10 years of our lives. And, you know, that's a testament to Jesse and, you know, how good of an actor he is and just how, you know, how much of a class act he is. And I I don't think we would be all this, uh, all be this upset if it wasn't, you know, as good of, you know, he wasn't as good of a character. Yeah, and like people have been posting like, you know, thank you to Jesse Spencer being like, thank you for bringing us Matt. I can't do it. I can't, like, I can't bring myself to do it. I'm like, I don't want to touch those emotions right now. Like, I can't do it. Brent yeah. is crying. <laughs> 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 I knew it was coming. I knew I wasn't able to get through this without crying. Um, but honestly, speaking of that though, and speaking kind of on Jesse reflecting on his 10 years. So Jesse got back on Twitter last night, which is like, amazing because he never really gets on twitter are you gonna Um, talk about that song now i'm gonna start crying (laughs) so i can't not i have to talk about it so he and he was kind of like he was like casually live tweeting and he was like after the episode i've got a special treat and we're all just kind of like okay and so then it's like an hour after the episode's over he posts this video that he made and it's all this behind the scene footage from like all these 10 years and it's set to this song about chicago fire that he wrote and he's singing and honestly last night as i sat in bed watch i honestly thought i wasn't gonna be able to get through it at first i was like i can't do this i can't do i'm not ready for this i got through it but that was honestly i think the thing that broke me the most yeah, it was, it was emotional. It was emotional. Um, and I think yeah, it was emotional. It was emotional just because it was emotional too. But I think if there was any doubt about how Jesse felt about the show and this franchise that he helped create, I, I, you know, that would have put it to rest because you can clearly tell just from that video, how much he means this, how much the show means to him, how much his cast means to him, how much he loves the show, how much like, everyone else gives like an Instagram post and like, that's great. And I, you know, it's always cool to see, you know, hear from actors when they leave the show and be like, you know, the show meant so much for me, whatever, but to take the time to not only put a video together of like all the footage from 10 years, but like to write a song and see like to all the effort that it took to make that. I just think it speaks volumes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I mean, yeah, it, it's totally bittersweet. But like Jesse said, when it's time, it's time. And there are some points in life where you just know. Um, and and yeah, it was time. It just, it hurts. It hurts a lot, but it was time. Yeah. So, okay. So I guess let's go through some of these last quotes. Um, so it, you know, obviously he talked about the, unfortunate timing of the fact that you know Brett just got together and then now he's leaving and he says you know we've been establishing this relationship for three years and we finally just got there Casey's leaving and going to Oregon for the right reasons he said you know there was a chance that I will come back we're toying with will Casey come back like that's a possibility for me too 
And then he made this joke about the fact, apparently, during this whole thing about how, like, Brett better not be single. Um, and Derek kind of went on to say that, like, you know, she's going to be in a long-distance relationship for a while. Like, you'll get some interesting storylines for her. Um, it's not going to take you till the end of the season to see some of Brett's developments, but she's not single. Like, this newfound love is staying. And they okay. said, you know... They said, um, you know, they plan to keep it alive, obviously, via FaceTime and traveling, um, adding, he says, you know, this is a three-year commitment that Casey's making, but hopefully we'll see him before those three years. And so then it kind of goes back to, like, when asked whether there's a chance that Casey could return for Stella and Severide's wedding, upcoming wedding, uh, Derek hinted at those discussions have already begun. He says, I'm hoping. I never try to predict what's going to happen production-wise, but we're in the camp of whenever Jesse happens wants to come do an episode with us, we'll move mountains and earth to make it happen. We've been talking. We've got some ideas of what that would be, and I say you hit it, hit the nail on the head what some of those moments might be. Yeah, so we we opened voice memos. The minute we the, minute the articles came raining down, we were like, no, we got to open voice memos. Like, just let it out. Just let it out. Um, we got three. Uh, they were pretty good. So uh, first up, we will play Carly's. Hi, Gina. Hi, Bryna. Um, my name is Carly, and I'm not okay. Um, and I think that's okay, because we were a lot of us were shocked by that. But in the article, um, Jesse had said that he was taking a step back. And so I think that... Um, I think that gives a little crumb of hope it might be microscopic, but, um, I think, you know, like you said, he's been doing this for 18 years, which is a lot, and wow, and I completely understand, worst timing, you know, I'm really looking, I was really looking forward to Brett's this season, and I know they'll keep it alive, but it'll just, it'll be different, and maybe that's why they gave us all those very, very nice scenes in the first five episodes, you know, and I will rewatch those, um, a lot and be in that happy place because I I'm gonna live there for like a while now um right Brenna <laughs> and so um I'm still gonna watch fire because like I didn't just watch for Matt Casey I watched with that family feeling and um yes Bretzy and Stella Ryan Stella's, Stella's gonna come back and um I am still gonna watch it and I'm interested on how they go forward because losing jesse is heartbreaking by itself but i'm sure they'll they'll do a good job with it and respect uh his departure and i i liked that ending you know it's not like they killed him off which would have been 10 times worse and have no hope but you know with this saying um he's taking a step back and he he might to come back you know fingers crossed um who knows and so i <sighs> i'm i'm going to end a year um and i'm really looking forward to your guys's um thoughts bye thank you yeah i mean she said she you know she didn't watch solely for matt and she's going to keep up with the show but yeah, it definitely hurts. And that's, that's another, that's another good question too, is what's the show going to look like going forward? Like, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, I mean, there's obviously no denying it's going to be different. And, you know, you and I were talking yesterday and 
I know you're kind of the same way. I personally just don't deal well with change. I'm a very much a severide in that way. Like I don't like change. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, hello. I went to the same school my whole life from preschool to high school. And then I went to college, you know, like I, I just, I don't, I lived in the same, I've lived in the same house, the same room my whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just, I'm not someone that has experienced a lot of change. So I really don't do well with it. And it's going to be different. I mean, obviously, Casey or, you know, Jesse Spencer has never missed an episode of Fire. So, like, we've literally never even gotten to experience the show without him. So it's going to be weird. Um, but, yeah, I, I, but like I said, as much as I love Jesse and I love Matt, it's not the only reason I watch the show either. So, obviously, I'm going to still keep watching it. Um, I would even if we didn't do this podcast. But um, it's definitely going to be weird. Yeah, it's going to be really weird, really weird. So next up, we got a memo from Tom. Firstly, one Chicago. Great job at breaking our hearts once again, week after week. And uh, and with Casey, I mean, as much as I hate to see him go after all the great years, um, it the way he's going, I don't think there would have been a better way to send him off than this. This is probably the best write-off of a character that one Chicago has ever done, in my humble opinion. I mean, the more I, when when I first heard Tom's memo and he was saying this is probably one of the best character exits, I was ready to be like, I disagree. But the more we've talked about it, the more it makes sense. And given given the circumstances, this is the best case scenario, right? The other thing I thought of too is that I've, I've said it before on the pod that the only way I ever saw Matt leaving was for him to go to Puerto Rico. And I know a lot of people felt the same way, but I think they, they honored, they honored, they honored Bretzi by having him not go to Puerto Rico and having him go take care of the boys. And they also honored the moment when Casey told Sylvie that like, he doesn't even think of Gabby anymore. Mm-hmm. Up. So Given the circumstances that, you know, hey, they had five episodes to get this done, best case scenario. They handled it the best they could. Well, I think even just beyond the fact that they had, you you kind of look at it as like, oh, they only had five episodes to get it done. I just like the fact that they get, they kind of set it up at all. Like, even if they only had given us like one episode, it's still better than most of the other character episodes we've had. Mm-hmm. I know you can, the only one you can kind of argue with a little bit is Annie's because of the pandemic. Like, I think we would have had a little bit more of an exit for her, mm-hmm. but the pandemic slashed those last three episodes. So we didn't get to see any more of her exit like you know we came back for season nine and she was just gone um so that one I think you can only argue because of like world circumstances that like that one kind of got fucked up a little bit um but yeah everyone else was just kind of out at least to us viewers it seemed out of nowhere um and even in the deaths obviously right like you had Shay's death you have Otis's death like even those just felt very you know out of nowhere so i'm just glad that they gave us some kind of setup at all now whether the fact again we all kind of denied it so like that's our own fault i guess but like they they laid it all out there you know they they made it as clear as they could so yeah yeah so uh last up is megan r and this one was pretty funny all right i've had my good cry i could not even sleep because of it i was thinking about it all night i I mean, I couldn't get it out of my head. I was going through all the heartache. It was it was really bad. But after reading the articles this morning and watching the videos and, like, reading the reviews and stuff and, like, actually reassuring myself that it's going to be okay, I, I feel better about Jesse, about, not Jesse, Matt's 
and Bretzi's fate on the show and the fact that Jesse said like he like he's probably gonna come back at some point just not like not now because the man deserves a break like give it to him please because he's worked non-stop for 18 years and he like deserves all the love in the world so I wish him the best and uh but I truly thought that like he was gonna have an epiphany and bring the fight to bring the boys to Chicago but as I I saw time wind down and and I in the episode I was like oh my god this is happening this is happening no 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 and and I truly understand like why the timeline's upset about it like I I was pretty upset about it too but I just know that like if anybody can get to this long distance thing it will be Sylvie and Matt because they are good they are strong they are solid and they communicate so I really hope that that's the plan and I really hope he shows up to the Stella Ride wedding because we need our best man and it won't be the same without him if he doesn't show up so yeah like I I really need him to roast Kelly so hard like come on make it happen so when Casey does come back I really want to see the scruffy Casey bearded Casey in action because I just want him to have his nomad Steve Rogers moment all right (laughs) Casey has Nomad Steve from Infinity Ga- or Infinity War. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then, of course, everyone had thoughts. Even if you didn't send a voice memo, everyone had thoughts. Everyone had um, thoughts. So Julie G said, does it make me feel better that it was Jesse's choice to leave? Yes. Not sure why, but it just does. Does it make me feel better that they didn't break up Bretzy? Yes. The last three years were not wasted. Will Chicago Fire be the same? No. Can I imagine the halls of 51 without him? No. I feel like I've been punched in the gut. Wednesdays will not be the same without Jesse Spencer on my screen. Yeah, they won't be the same. No. Nope. Yeah. Kimberly J said, I couldn't even pretend to pay attention while PD was airing because I was trying to process what just happened. I had a nagging feeling Jesse was leaving, but definitely was trying to convince myself he wasn't. We all were. We all were. Um, the Pod Squad group chat, we were like ecstatic because we've, we've been all over this whole noodle the pub thing on TikTok. We were like, Bones Day, Bones Day, it's going to be a great day. And then we were like, never mind. Never mind. Noodle fucking lied. He fucking lied. Noodle did us dirty, okay? Noodle did us dirty. So dirty. That's okay. He's still adorable. Still adorable. And today was a no Bones Day anyway. So, like, okay, cool. <laughs> But <coughs> yeah, so <coughs> I inhaled popcorn there. Uh, she said, I guess we should know the possibility is much higher when a show's been on so long. I'm bummed we won't get to see any more Casey storylines and sad that we only got Bretzy for a few episodes after such a long wait. Honestly, I kept thinking there was still time throughout the episode for things to change course. Yeah, same. It's hard to imagine Chicago Fire without Jesse Spencer and Matt Casey, but I can certainly respect someone's decision to take a break after working on TV for as long as he has. And I much preferred this exit versus them killing him off. Oh, God. Could you imagine? I don't think they would have ever gone there. But yeah, I definitely obviously prefer this compared to them killing him off. Oh, God. I couldn't even imagine. Um, She said, I like the thought of Casey popping in every now and then to check in on 51. Also, he's Severide's best man. So how can he miss that? He can't miss that. I know. And like, it'd be different if Severide hadn't even asked him yet, but Severide asked him last season. So like, it's still got to happen. Yeah. And no, like he can't just FaceTime in. Like, I don't want Stellaride to get married until Jesse can be there. That's how it's happening. 
just yeah, no, totally fair, there. totally fair. He cannot go all like Peyton Sawyer on this. So the point that Severides like people always leave, like no. When no. I saw some people say, well, like oh, he could even just like Facetime in the wedding, like no, 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 no. he has to be there. Mm-hmm. Celeride cannot get married until he is there standing next to Severide. Not even just for the fact that I want Jesse back or even for the Brett team at all, just for the Savacy of it all, right? Yeah. Like Casey has to be there physically standing by Severide's side. I won't accept anything else. No FaceTime, no hologram, no Casey's face <laughs> on a popsicle stick. No. No, Casey has to be there. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Heather F. said, I, I follow Jesse from House to Fire. That's how I learned about the show. And I fell in love with it, with the idea, the characters, storylines. I've had my ups and down, up and down moments with the show, but I've always loved the core of the show. Casey and Severide and the family of the firehouse. I grew to love everyone else, Bowden, Herman, Mouch, Brett, the millennials. But I've always been most attached to Casey and Severide. And Casey, just with his leadership, passion, commitment, and his goodness, he just drew you in. I was looking forward to seeing him continue to grow, the move up the ladder, inspire, teach others, just like Bowden. She said, but that being said, I respect Jesse's decision to leave. It's been 10 years of his life. And while Casey was a great character and still had stories to explore, Jesse probably has got other things he needs to do or wants to do. So I'm not going to blame him or Derek any- or anyone. They ki- they ended Casey's story on a great note. They didn't kill him off. And they brought it back full circle back to the pilot and Darden boy's story and Casey finally gets to be a dad and while I'm sad and a bit heartbroken I'm going to keep in mind that I love the show and there are still fantastic characters that I want to see more of we still have Severide we still have Severide and we still have Severide eyes yes yeah yes (laughs) yes Megan G said I expected a much better Severide and Casey goodbye if you've been listening to drama queens you know that they keep saying the real love story was the friendship of Brooke and Peyton felt the same about Severide and Casey Their friendship with Chicago Fire at the core. We all know shows that run this long, you have to deal with departures, but wow, this one hurts. Yep. Yeah, I definitely, I, you know, I do feel like Severide, I I think that's honestly going to be a big part of what feels weird about Fire. Mm -hmm. Because even when Casey and Severide were fighting, which, I mean, knock on wood, you know, hadn't happened in a while. um, But like, even when they were fighting, like it was still about their friendship. Like their friendship has always been at the core of the show. And obviously one of the things that I loved most about the show and that brought me into the show. And I definitely will miss that like a lot. Um, I don't think I expected a much better Severide and Casey goodbye. The only thing that would have made it better is if there had been a last cigar chat. Mm -hmm. But I really, I mean, hearing Severide, you know, say that he, you know, open up and say like, I love you to Casey, which I mean, it's coming from a man, Severide, who barely wants to tell his emotions to anyone, let alone, you know, his male best friend, like that he loves him. I mean, I think that's big growth for Severide, and I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, they're they're bros. Like, and I love you, man, is as close as we're going to get. No, but what I'm saying is for Severide, who probably wouldn't have said that, I don't know, even three seasons ago, for the Mm -hmm. fact that Severide is openly saying it now, like, I'm totally okay with that. I would have been nice to get a cigar chat, but I just expect one before Severide's wedding when Jesse comes back. Uh, we'd better get one. We'd better. Um, Geekazoid said, did you know Jesse was actually leaving? I'm still stunned. Okay, yeah. So let's clear something up real fast because we got a couple questions where people were like, you've already seen it. What's going on? What's happening? We don't always see episodes in advance. We don't always. Okay, this was one of those situations where we were in the dark along with everybody else. We did not know. We did not know. So we were stunned right alongside all of you. 
I think it's fair to say, though, we heard the rumors of, you know, especially over the last couple of days, just like everyone else had heard the rumors, mm-hmm. um, you know, because those kind of really ramped up like Sunday or something like that, you know, like in the last couple of days. Um, so we heard the rumors and we kind of thought, you know, that's, I think, what really kind of brought the tension out in the last couple of days is like, there's these rumors going around, but then it seems like it's probably just going to be a Derek fake out, like, which is actually going to be. So yeah, we definitely had no idea for sure. We just kind of heard the rumors like everyone else. Most, the majority of the time, I would say like 80 to 85% of the time, we know what you know. Maybe even more than that. Maybe like 90 to 95% of the time, we know what you know. maybe 80 85 so yeah no we were stunned we were stunned right alongside you and I think that's part of the reason why I was so angry after Wednesday is because I I felt blindsided like I felt blindsided and kind of like emotionally taken advantage of because I was like I I don't like being surprised like this I don't like it uh but that's television I mean that's that's television when you're as attached to a show as we are to this universe like, if another yeah. show were to do that, I would just be like, well, that's, that's moving on. But, like, it's one Chicago, right? Aside from Wintry Hill, like, it's my show, you know? So. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I think, too, for me, at least, I think part of the reason why I was so upset yesterday, A, is because I, I mean, granted, it was a rumor. I didn't want to buy into the rumor. But, like, we, it was out there that it was going to happen potentially. And I still didn't buy into it. I was like, no, no, no. This is another Derek fake out after last season. I'm not believing shit. Like I, I was so in that lane of like after last season and thinking Jesse may be leaving. I was like, and it didn't happen. I was like, there's no way it's actually happening this time. And I also just really thought that the Darden boy storyline was going to go differently. I really believed regardless of the Jesse, I guess, leaving part that like, I really thought, especially after, you know, the last couple of episodes where they were really focusing on the fact that like 51 is a family and they could be the Darden's family. Like, I really thought they were going to try to bring them back to Chicago. Like, I really thought that's where the story was going. And so I think I was just more thrown off by anything that like the fact that that's not what happened. And like, Casey was really going to go to Oregon. Like, I really thought that was a fake out and it wasn't. Nope. And I think it just threw me off. I was just not expecting it because it threw me off. Yeah. Um, and then Gigaswood also said, you know, like, are, are you okay with how it was handled given the Bretzy buildup? And I mean, we kind of talked about it, but like, yes, I think to me personally, as like a die hard, die hard Bretzy fan, I think it would have felt personally like they were doing a disservice to the last three years if they hadn't at least given, even if it's off screen, given Bretzy the chance to be together still and kind of navigate long distance see if it works um but that's just my personal opinion I know a lot of people have a lot of other opinions about it but like that's just my personal opinion to me it would have felt like a disservice I would have been more upset if they had broken up at the end of last night's episode given how the last three years have gone then like I'm very much okay with them kind of figuring it out off screen I'm okay with whatever makes them happy. Like, yeah, I know what I said earlier that like she's on his hook. It's not fair to her. That's what I feel. But if they're happy doing long distance, then fine with me. Yeah. 
Um, Allison G said the song that Jesse wrote about Chicago fire, such a nice tribute to his experience on the show that felt like the real farewell moment for me since that I thought the whole episode was a fake out and he'd be back in a couple weeks till I saw the interviews posted afterwards. Yeah. yeah it was it, like, say that was the moment that I was like actually sobbing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jess sent us a really long email. My favorite part of it was the very first sentence when she goes, I'm sorry, but what the fuck was that one Chicago Wednesday? <laughs> I was like, hey, accurate, <laughs> accurate. Okay, so Jess says, oh man, Jesse leaving. I really didn't think he was leaving, not with the way they built Bretzi up this season and Gallo's storyline about wanting to learn from him and all the emphasis over the years about the firehouse being a family. Really thought they were going to find a way to bring Griffin and Ben to Chicago so 51 could be their new family, just like Brennan just said. I was so floored when the episode ended and there was no classic Derek plot twist. And honestly, I think I was still in denial until all those articles came out confirming it. Same, same. Yep. And she said, I still don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. I'm glad that it was Jesse's choice. I would be so mad if this was the writer's doing. And 18 straight years of being on television is a lot. But I almost wish this was a character exit that had been spoiled. Same. Oh my God, same. Uh, just so we could have known for sure he was leaving. Yes, I am told. This is, yeah, this is why I was, again, this is why I was angry last night because I was like, we were, we got blindsided. I, I need to know these things before they happen. I need to emotionally prepare. So, yes, same. Uh, so she said there was so much tension and anxiety in the fandom leading up to the episode that I feel we couldn't celebrate the 200th. So even though I get why they didn't spoil it, I wish they had so we could have had a nice emotional, if not bittersweet goodbye to Jesse instead of a tense, horrible one. Yes, 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 100%. Yes, yes. Um, she said, I thought the storyline itself was all right. I might be one of the few who thinks so, but I think him leaving to take care of Ben and Griffin is really a lovely full circle moment for him as, as a character and really speaks to who he is as a person. And all the goodbye scenes with Bowden Gallo, the final hug, and all the original cast members packed the perfect emotional punch. Guess I just don't understand the emphasis on this being a temporary thing or not lasting that long. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, even if we assume we might get a few Casey cameos to keep Bretzi alive and hopefully for the Stellar Ride wedding, Jesse's clearly stepping away from the show and there doesn't seem to be a long-term solution to his absence, particularly for Bretzi. Does this just leave Sylvie in limbo relationship-wise for the next three years until Matt comes back? Uh, she said, from a storytelling standpoint, I can't see that happening considering she's one of the main female leads. So I almost wish we had seen them break up on screen and enough on a hopeful, maybe we'll end up together in the future note. I kind of agree. I kind of agree. I definitely disagree. <laughs> I know I'm going to have to like dodge tomatoes from the listeners after they listen to this. Uh, she said, maybe the one scene I wish they hadn't done was them teasing about Bretzi moving in together with the drawers because that was just cruel. Fair point. Regardless yeah. of how it was written, rewatching Bowden's final speech really made it hit home for me what the show is, was losing and what a pillar of the show Matt has been. It's definitely a change that's going to be felt for a long time, 100%. But also don't come after me for thinking that maybe Bretzi should have broken up. No, I mean, you're obviously your opinions are your own. I, I don't think you need to be like, you know, like your opinions are your own. Everyone is right to feel however they want to feel. And I, you know, I think the unfortunate thing about this and the fact that Jesse, you know, they have put all this emphasis on like it being temporary, however long temporary is or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that like Jesse may want to come back in the future or whatever. I think that's just kind of all left. to so, like, well, what happens now? Like at least when Monica left, like, yeah, we knew that it was maybe down the line. She could guest star, you know, every now and then, but like Monica definitely left the show. Like there was no, like it was permanent. Like Monica was leaving the show 
So obviously that forced a lot of storylines in different directions, i.e. like them having to get divorced and, you know, Casey moving on and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But like, it was much more of a clean, I guess, break. And now we're just kind of all left in this limbo on like, okay, well, when is Jesse actually coming back? How long is it going to take for Jesse to come back? Yada, yada, yada. So I guess that's kind of why I think it feels like that for some people. But I think like, I I think Jess's opinion is very valid. I think your opinion is very valid. Like it's just such a tricky situation. Unlike other exits that have been a lot more, I guess, clean. Yeah. However you feel about the situation is 110% valid. However you feel. There's no, yeah, there's no right or wrong answer. I mean, you know, there's never a right or wrong answer in terms of shipping or, you know, how you feel about TV shows. It's TV at the end of the day. Like there is no right or wrong, you know, as long right. as it makes you feel something, then like it's doing a good job. Right. But yeah, it just, I, you know, I just don't think it's, a, you know, it's just a weird situation. And I, you know, I don't know if we'll ever have any good answers or, you know, right answers or anything. So right. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. So um Catherine said I think I'm mostly angry with myself because I managed to convince myself he wasn't leaving that this was just another storyline and I was prepared not to see him for a few episodes while he sorted everything up and then he'd be back with the boys to live in Chicago so the news was almost a shock I know I know they literally told us and warned us but I still couldn't believe it especially because we spent all summer worried that Taylor was leaving not Jesse <laughs> true I always I'll finish Catherine's thought in a second I think I told you this in a text message, but I think I always kind of thought Taylor would leave first. So I think that's also part of it is that like Taylor's still here and Jesse is gone. And I'm like, well, wait a second. This is backwards. Like this is not how it's supposed to happen. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think I think I always imagined that Taylor would leave first. Yeah. And so she said that very thought never crossed my mind. Anyways, at least Matt Casey's story came for a full circle and his send off was actually good. I mean, it's not out of character for him to sacrifice everything for someone else, especially if that someone else is are your BFFs children. So at least that part was very satisfying. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Jamie R said, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Same. Same. I'm, still, I'm still processing the fact that we won't have Casey anymore. Same. Um, I'm absolutely happy for Jesse Spencer and I want nothing but the best for him. Unpopular opinion, but I'm actually happy that he waited till after the episode aired to let us know he's leaving. In a world where everything is instant, it was nice to have the suspense of not knowing. Followed him from Uptown Girls immediately into house and straight into Chicago Fire with no break. So this will be weird not having him on my screen for the first time since 2004. I fully understand why he wanted to leave and hope everything with his family is okay or that he's starting a family and can't wait to see what projects he works on next. He kept emphasizing 18 years, which is an entire childhood, as you said. I can see him not wanting to miss out on life, but still allow his wife to focus on her career. I also kind of want to see him on The Masked Singer. <laughs> I have all kinds of mixed emotions right now, but no matter what I don't and never will have any animosity towards Jesse Spencer, The Masked Singer. Um, I did have a thought during watching that video. I was like, oh, he can, he can sing. I don't know how I never yeah. knew that. You didn't know that from all the like video. I mean, they did that Christmas video last year with like Miranda and Christian and Jesse. You remember? Yeah, I watched that. I thought he was just the violin. I thought he just played the violin. I didn't know he sang. Yeah. I don't know why, but for some reason, I really want to see him collaborate with Jensen Ackles now. I don't know. Dean Winchester, Um, Matt Casey making music. Yeah, but I definitely agree. I mean, regardless of what happens or any, you know, I, I don't and I never will have any animosity towards Jesse Spencer. I no, never. No, and um, if you have animosity towards an actor for leaving a show and putting his family first, that 
is something we need mm, to discuss. Yeah. Yeah. You may need to rediscuss your priorities then. Yep. Yeah. Um, Emily S said, I so desperately wanted to believe that Jesse Spencer wasn't leaving the show, but I guess wishful thinking wasn't enough to keep him around. As sad as it is to see him go, it's nice to know that he left on his own terms and is open and willing to return in the future. It's impressive for cast so large that so many of the original characters have stayed as long as they did. Although Jesse Spencer won't be gracing our screens weekly, we can feel lucky knowing that we had Matt Casey for nine great seasons. She said, I thought Casey's send-off was so fitting. Matt was never one for a lot of fanfare, so having a meaningful interaction with the members of the house was the perfect way to say goodbye. I couldn't help but think of Bowden's speech at the end was also how the cast felt in real life. The hug between all the originals just about broke me. And in my opinion, it was the best way for the organic exit of Matt Casey. And the show also did a nice job of bringing his character full circle. From the pilot, it was no secret that Matt has always wanted to be a dad. And although they weren't his own kids, he still gets to be that father figure to Griffin and Ben. His exit was unexpected, shocking, and emotional, but poignant. His presence around the firehouse will be incredibly missed. And then she wraps it up by saying, as a breasty shipper, my heart aches. They just figured everything out, but I hope that they are able to keep their relation going, relationship going at least for a little bit. Those two are so perfectly matched. I don't want to believe that they took so long to build it up just to knock it down so quickly i hope that with matt leaving it brings selvi and kelly together they both lost someone so special to them and it would have been missed opportunity for them not to talk about matt being gone absolutely okay speaking of kelly for one second again i was on vacation last week right so i had to catch up i didn't get to watch it live or anything is stella in boston as in boston massachusetts or is boston like a neighborhood in chicago no she's in boston boston what is she doing there setting up a girls on fire chapter oh i thought she was doing like lieutenant stuff no they said that last week that that's why she was in boston again i i was like we we did a lot of driving on the trip so it was like i was like in and out of service and so i could only catch like at certain points okay that makes more sense but also come back but also no it, it still doesn't make more sense because Okay, if you want to go start another Girls on Fire chapter, you would think that you would, like, start in Illinois and, like, spread out and then eventually... Just Boston? Yeah. It makes no sense. And I I didn't really put this in an outline anywhere, so I guess we could just talk about it now. But I do have something else I want to say about Jesse, but we'll talk about Stella real quick. It's weird. No, it's it's weird. weird. This It's... I... Listen... I know there was the rumor going around when it first kind of became clear that like, Hey, Miranda hadn't been seen on set for a little bit. The rumor going around was like, maybe she got COVID and that, you know, obviously that meant she would have meant two weeks for her not filming, mm-hmm. but then her exit has been gone longer than two weeks. And is she back? She have people seen her back on set. Is she back or no? I'm pretty sure she's back. Oh God. I hope she's back. I can't stop losing Kelly or not Kelly, Casey and Stella like in one fell swoop. Oh no. I just wonder if she is bad, like how much longer are we going to have to go without Stella? That's a good question. I would like to think that Stella is obviously going to be the one to replace Casey and become Lieutenant of truck, but that can't happen if she's not here. If that doesn't happen, we riot. Yeah. I I I I just I don't know. Yeah. Um the Jesse comment I wanted to make though back to Emily's 
question or back to what Emily said was that she thought that Bowden's speech at the end was also how the cast felt in real life somewhere I read and I don't remember where I read it but apparently that was like kind of Derek saying everything he wanted to say to Jesse like Derek wrote that is like what he would say to Jesse and I I watching it again this morning with that perspective I I think that was part of the reason why I sobbed again today like watching again because like when you think about it from that it's yeah, I don't. I'm not gonna cry again. So, <laughs> try to pull myself together. Okay, I I think I think we've said everything we had to say. I think we've like thoroughly I, discussed. And I think it, you know it's gonna be coming up for the next couple of weeks. I oh, yeah. imagine, right? Like it's gonna be next week. We're gonna be like, this was so weird without Casey. Where is Casey? Come back! Like, yeah. it, it's gonna happen. Um. But yeah, I guess, I guess just, just like sum it up before we move into the rest of fire is just, you know, like we're grateful for Jesse Spencer and we're grateful for what he brought to Matt Casey and, you know, the show wouldn't be what it was without him. And, you know, we hope he comes back soon because obviously we would love to see him again. We'll never not say no to Jesse Spencer appearance. So without yes. me crying again. Yeah. I can't, I can't put it into words because if I do, I will cry like I can't I can't so I can't that's about as best as I I have more I would want to say I think that that's as best as you're getting for me without me crying so yeah 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 yep okay so yeah um moving into the rest of the episode should we stretch it out again like I know I feel like I need to like stretch I'm like okay I'm like wait we still have the rest of the fire to discuss the like the only thing that's coming to mind is like I just want to I want to be like you know thank you Jesse Spencer but if I say that like the tears just like well up and I'm like I don't want to do that like I don't want to do that so okay just 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 stretch stretch okay Brett and Mouch and paramedicine this got going this episode which is good so remember last week um Chief Hawkins? Chief, what's his face? Yeah. He basically rolled up with like an absolute clunker of an ambo and was like, surprise, here's your paramedicine gift. Awesome. So headquarters is sending Brett a list of the 20 most frequent flyers and she and Mouch are going to try and run the program between shifts. Awesome. Love it. It's happening. It's happening. It's really happening. I'm happy for her. Like, yes, go get that passion project. Do it. So um, during shift, Mouse checks in with Brett to see how she's really doing with the whole Casey situation and if she wants to put off the paramedicine. Um, also, LOL at how Mouch was like, no, I'll pick you up. Like, I'll totally pick you up. Hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah. All that was missing was like one of those horns that like plays music. So like all that was missing was him pulling up and be like. Yeah, that's it. So Brett's like, no, I'm fine. Like, I really just want to get started. And so Mouch admits, like, he's excited, especially since he gets to be part of something from the beginning. And the way he phrased it, too, he's like, I came in the middle of the Mollies, you know. Like, I'm, I'm glad that I'll be with this from the beginning. So sweet. So sweet. Yeah. Uh, so Mouch picks Brett up for paramedicine day one in the clunker. We get a really nice montage set to an actual song. Man, they spend the big bucks this for this episode i know i know i was like really surprised but also this is like a montage is the perfect way to put it right because like these two i would i would watch like a buddy sitcom with the two of them (laughs) it would be so i'm excited to see more paramedicine like that got me i mean i was already excited obviously but that montage got me like really excited yeah yeah it was funny it was really funny so 
Um, it basically ends with them going to check on a frequent flyer and she's like collapsed on the floor because she took expired medication that was meant for neuropathy, I think. So it pretty much put her to sleep. Yeah. Um, but it's off to a great start. So I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see where they go from here. Yeah, yeah. So Heather F said, Mouch and Brett, such a great partnership. Love them doing the paramedicine and they are already making such a difference. Love that Brett can take care of the medicine and Mouch can charm the older ladies. Yeah. Um, Emily S said, Sylvia Mouch and the paramedic paramedicine program were a bright spot in the episode. Mouch and Sylvia have always made a great pair and I'm excited to see where this partnership goes. Their whole montage of driving around was gold. Mouch truly was the perfect choice for Sylvie and I have a feeling he's going to be just the person she needs while she and Matt try long distance. Mouch is the one that has the experience in that department so I hope we had see some sort of conversation about that in the future. Yeah, it was, it was good. I, and I read that apparently like Kara's been asking the writers for like ever, like I want to work with, uh, with uh, Christian. Match, yeah, it was Christian yeah. again. Uh, she's like, yeah, I really want to work with Christian again. And finally they were like, all right, all right, geez. So yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Oh man. So then we get the Bowden, Kylie, Herman of it all. And um, I think we just need to say like, Kylie is truly the MVP of our hearts like kylie is the best of the best she saved I mean, we and now she saved Bowden and like where he works yeah kylie is a queen she's the unsung hero of chicago fire she really is so we start off and kylie has just heard about casey leaving 51 so of course she rushes into Bowden's office and of course she you know check on him make sure he's okay and she's like you should go like head over to 51 and check on everyone and like as she's getting him a cup of coffee to go she notices like the district map on the wall but like doesn't say anything so when Bowden stops by 51 to see Casey he also of course stops by and sees Herman and apparently the assistant deputy commissioner Adam Perry who is in charge of major discipline wants to come talk to him but it's not because Herman's in trouble or anything. He just wants to know if uh, he can rent out Molly's patio on Saturday for his son's birthday. And Herman's like, yeah, of course. Like even half price drinks, which is like so unlike him, like Herman offering half price drinks. Like what? He was so excited that he was like escaping disciplines. Yeah. So Kylie goes down to headquarters and is asked to see the department regulations and guidelines manual. So clearly she's up to something. And as soon as this aired, I was like, so this is how she's going to get, I don't know what exactly, but like, this is how she's going to get Bowden back. Like she is going to be the one that gets us Bowden back to 51. Mm -hmm. Like Kylie to the rescue. Love it. Um, Kylie for intelligence. Yes. We'll get there, but yes. Um, as it turns out that Adam Perry's son stops by the firehouse to see Herman and what Herman finds out is that his son is very underage, like very underage. Oh my God. What a little brat. Yeah. He's kind of the worst. Um, thank God we only get like one scene of him. Um, hopefully it's just that. Then we, yeah. But then we go back to Kylie and Kylie can't wait to tell Bowden about what she found out. So apparently the district chief's office is supposed to be in the center most house that he, you know, so we can get to obviously all the other houses efficiently. And that used to be house 90. But now that another house has closed, she like redraws whatever and figures out that the closest house to the center of the district is actually 51. And so Bowden, of course, is very excited because this is all he's wanted. You know, let's run. He wants the job, but he wants to run it out of 51. 
And, you know, Kylie even says, she's like, you know, 51 needs you cheap. And he's, and then he says back to her, he's like, you know, it needs us. And I'm just like, it does come back. Yeah, but they are back. So Herman is obviously very uncomfortable with the whole having a party for a kid, you know, that's underage and obviously underage drinking that whole thing. So he discusses it with Match, and they come up with this idea. So when they're at Molly's that Saturday night and Perry shows up, they also have Platt show up and say that they need to use the bar as a surveillance area, which is amazing. This is like the best scene ever. It's so good. Um, but yeah, so obviously, of course, it works. Perry leaves and is has to come up with another plan, and they don't have Trudy, to serve alcohol to minors. Trudy Platt for president, please. Yeah. Um, the and way then her face just, changed too cracked me up. Like how she was like all business, and the minute he got in the car and drove away, she was like, hey! Like, well, and then she's like, I gotta go bust to go find, and she's just like gonna keep following them. I love it. I love her. I love her. Um, so yeah, and then it's just basically the episode ends and we see Bowden taking and Kylie taking their stuff from 90 into 51 again. And, you know, the, Casey and Sylvie see them and they're like, oh, you're back. And she's like, yeah, thanks to Kylie. And I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. thank you to Kylie. Indeed. Um, we did get one voice memo about this actually from Megan. So we will just play that real quick. Can I just say, Kylie is my hero. Like, she single-handedly was the one that brought Stellaride back together, and she is single-handedly the one that brought Bowden back to 51. So, please, keep this woman on the show. I love her to death. Like, come on. she She's, she's a lifesaver in every aspect of it. <laughs> I'm so glad Bowden's coming back. I know, same. It's, like, about time. Familiarity! I know. It's just like, give it to me. Yeah. 100%. 100%. So, next up is Cruz and Chloe and the baby. Okay. No. Finally. Finally, right? Okay. So, Chloe shows up at the firehouse so that they can help her install the car seat. And she mentions, she's like, if the baby hasn't come by Friday, like they're going to induce her. She's going to have a C section. Great. Whatever. Um, She's so cute. Oh my gosh. She's so cute. So Mm -hmm. Joe gets home after shift and he's doting over Chloe and he's just like, let me get you this and let me get you that. And Chloe's like, dude, stop. So she assures him, she's like, dude, I'm fine. Tries his best, tries her best to calm him down. And this line from Joe was very self-aware and I appreciate it. It's just a very self-aware line of like, hey, our pregnancy track record is fucked up. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, and even that's just fires track record. That's not even the med and PD side. Right. So. Yep. And how he's just like, oh, the God, the whole thing with Dawson was just, yeah, we still, we will never cover that episode on here. Yeah. I'll never forget that moment when you were trying to get out of Derek about Severide and you were like, is it going to be like 404? And Derek's like, what was 404? And you were like, Gabby's miscarriage. And he was like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, the fact that, that you mean that you mean that traumatic event is not seared into your brain too derek like it is ours exactly how he's like what's 404 what what is 404 must be real nice to ask that question like we're still not over it clearly i don't know if i'll ever be over it no no and we will never ever cover that episode the only thing that we will ever talk about with that episode is how much we hated it (laughs) 
what happens when we eventually run out of episodes to cover and all that's left is 404 we're just gonna do something else then? no it's the forbidden episode okay it's the forbidden episode i i no, like you think my rage over Sean Roman is bad? Like that episode, I was this close to quitting the show forever. Like I had the remote. Aren't you in glad hand. you didn't? I am so glad. I really am. But I, I had, <laughs> I had the remote in hand, and I was about to hit that button and be like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm done. But I didn't. I almost quit the show forever in that episode. I did not. We would not be friends if you had done that. So I'm glad you Sorry. didn't. I'm glad I didn't too. Yeah. Yeah. So Chloe's like, dude, okay, if you want to don't on me, that's fine. Like, go get me a glass of water and some Ben and Jerry's. Cool. Done. So then we've got to talk about the lead up to this. Okay, so so Cruz gets a bunch of calls and he finally realizes it's like, you know, hey, baby's coming. But before this, Cruz and Tony are debating whether nectarines and peaches are the same fruit. You mean Cap and Tony. And Cruz kind of jumps in. But yes. Did I say Cruz and Tony? Yeah. Cap and Tony. Cap and Tony such a cap and tony discussion but also if you're gonna confuse a nectarine with anything isn't it gonna be an orange that's what i would think but cap is just cap i'm just gonna google a nectarine real fast just to verify that like i'm right on that one but yeah no very Uh, very cap oh okay no, no no i get it i get it okay that could totally be a peach yeah absolutely i was doing the same thing i was looking at it you know what I'm thinking of are tangerines. Never mind. You're thinking of tangerines. Okay. No, this is a totally fair question. Now I'm intrigued. Like what makes them different? What's the difference between a nectarine and a peach? Okay. Nectarines it's, are smaller than peaches. I think it's also the skin. So one of them has like a smooth skin and the other has like a fuzzier skin. Yeah. Yeah. Peaches have thicker, fuzzy skin and softer flesh. Okay. All right. Okay. All right, fair discussion. Never mind, but we can totally still make fun of Tony or Cap for it because, like, where yeah. does Cap come up with these things? Where did Derek come up with that? I don't know. That's probably someone in. The, he's probably if we asked him, he'd probably be like, "Yeah, that was somebody in the writers' room." And that was like a real conversation in the writers' room, and I, I would believe it. That's pretty funny, though. That is pretty funny. Um, yeah. Okay, so. Cruz, like, while, he, while this is happening, Cruz's phone is blowing up. And you're like, dude, look at your phone. Look at your phone. Finally, he gets it. He's like, oh, my God, the baby's coming. The baby's coming. And immediately, Casey's like, take 51 out of service. Like, we're done. Joe Cruz is having a baby. And he, like, screams it. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so they take the, they all take the fire trucks over there. And then at one point, Cruz is, like, so nervous that he yells at some rando on the street. So I, I mean, he, he not even just yells at him. He's like, get out of the way, Jackass. <laughs> it's so good. So they have to wait a little bit, but then finally Joe and Chloe come out and they introduce 51 to the baby. They told me we weren't allowed, weren't allowed to come out into the waiting room. But I said, unless you want 15 firefighters in the maternity ward hallway, you better let us out. <laughs> Besides, This is my family out here. And I wanted you all to be the first to meet this little man. It's Mr. Brian Leon Cruz. We're calling him Otis. (laughs) 
Brian Leon Cruz. It's perfect. It's so perfect. Cruz is a daddy. Honestly, though, the thing that kind of made me laugh the most is like, I just, I, I, I lol at Severide being the last one not wanting to leave. And like the nurse, like, gave him that dagger look, like, mm-hmm. get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. But Severide's like, fine. I, if I have to, fine. <laughs> He's like, we're leaving. We're leaving. Yeah. So cute. Oh, Brian Leon Cruz. And they're going to call him Otis. Oh, yeah. so sweet. Sweet. The best. Um, Megan R. sent us a voice memo on this one too, so we'll go ahead and play that. Also, Baby Cruz. Oh, he's such a cutie. I love him already. And like we all knew the name was going to be Brian. That that was not a shadow of a doubt in the fandom. But Leon is the middle name. I was not expecting that at all because everybody was thinking it was either going to be Otis or Kelly, which they're going to call him Otis, which of course it's still a good tribute in itself. But also, can we talk about the fact that Chloe had an uncomplicated birth? Like, like we all were worried that it was like that was not going to be the case, but I'm so glad it was. And I'm calling it right now, but the godparents are Sylvie and Severide. Because if you think about it, Sylvie was the one that brought them back together. So this baby would not have been possible if it wasn't for her. And Kelly saved Cruz's career on multiple occasions. So they are the most logical options, in my opinion. Little baby Otis. I really can't get over it. I know. I just I want to actually see baby Otis and Chloe. Like, give me. I don't. You can't just go away. Like, I want. Give them to me. Give me all the Chloe all the time. I love Chloe so much. I do too. Mm -hmm. All right. Shall we move into the last bit of fire? The millennials. Yes, the millennials. Okay. I've refused to learn this girl's name, so I'm just going to call her Brewery Girl girl stops by the firehouse to see her favorite brew crew which like (laughs) anyway and apparently DeWitt is getting a magazine profile done on him and she's like I just hoping you could talk to the reporter too and then like as she leaves and because they're great they're like yeah sure that'd be great and so she's like great I'll send you the details so she leaves and Gallo's like she's just 200 and and they're just like what the fuck does that mean and he's like 100 times two twice is cool and I'm like that is the most Gallo thing I've ever heard our little millennial already has dad jokes I also, it took me until I saw it on Twitter to realize that that was a 200th episode joke. Yeah. I did not realize that at first. And I was like, huh, that's funny. Why are writers? That's funny. <laughs> it, it, it just went like right over me the first time I saw it. Again, because this didn't feel like a 200th. Sorry. Um, I mean, you're half wrong. You're, I, I'm with you like halfway there. Mm-hmm. Um, so then... Brewery girl stops by again, but this time at Molly's and she's got another favorite ask them. So she's like, actually, there's going to be a photo shoot that's part of the interview. And she's like, you know, she says it as she's like looking right at Gallo. She's like, why not get your pictures in there? You're also photogenic. And Violet is already just like so low key jealous because obviously Brewery girl's like basically flirting with Gallo right in front of her. Violet's not handling it so well. (laughs) So interviews going great or not great, but as expected with DeWitt already basically like drunk off his ass and like Gal, of course, kind of steps in and saves the day. And again, Violet is so jealous and she won't say anything about it, but she's just going to stare daggers right into Brewery Girl and Gallo. Um, especially as Brewery Girl's making hard eyes at Gallo again, like Violet is just 
daggers. And Ritter's just like, really? He doesn't say anything further. He's like, really? This is what I've gotten myself into. So, of course, Brewery Shook Girl shows up yet again at Molly's and shows them the cover for the magazine or, like, the mock-up. And, of course, it's, like, DeWitt and Gallo front and center. You can kind of see Ritter, but Violet's face is all covered up by text. And so Violet doesn't say anything. She just gets up and, like, goes to the bar, takes a quick shot, and then, like, pieces out. Um, but, of course, Gallo, like, doesn't even notice. Ritter notices. Ritter's just like, really? Yeah. But... Yep. Yeah, so we've clearly got some kind of interesting dynamic going on. Obviously, we're starting to get jealous Violet, which is not typically something we've seen. Typically, mm-hmm. it's been jealous Gallo. Um, and obviously, like I said before, I think Gallo and Brewery Girl are going to hook up at some point. So I, I think I think that's likely. It's more likely than Will and Little Miss Vascom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we did get a listener thought about this. Heather F said, interesting to see Violet now, Violet now is the jealous one. She decided not to have a romantic relationship with Gallo, but now she doesn't seem to be, or seem to like someone else showing interest. Also, Gallo is just the cutest puppy cinnamon roll. His face when Casey was talking about leaving just broke my heart. I wonder if now he's going to turn more to Severide for mentorship or will, and his move squad might happen sooner or will Bowden possibly take him under his wing or Stella? Yeah, I I think it'll maybe be a combination. Gallo Severide could be a real interesting like mentor mentee kind of relationship. That would be really interesting. Yeah, because we've never really seen it with Severide. No, we really yeah. haven't. We really haven't. So I will also say that suited up Gallo. He looks like a politician, like the cutest little politician ever. But he's just a little baby. He really is. He's just the cutest. Yeah. The cutest. Yeah. So any other notes on fire no we're gonna break three hours right now and not just with the guy interview we're gonna break it by talking about the episodes i mean we had a lot to discuss we had to yeah we had to okay stretch it out for real this time though because now we're about to finish fire and go into pd so i'm gonna stretch it out okay um this episode of fire was like i i you mean pd you just PD. said fire. I just PD. said fire. PD. PD. We're talking about PD now. We are talking about PD. We're talking about PD. Yeah. I feel bad for this episode of PD because it got completely overshadowed by the Casey stuff. Um, this episode started and I was like, I don't really want to give a shit right now. Like, I need to sit in my feels. I need to process a lot of stuff. This episode got overshadowed. However... When you rewatch it out from under the shadow of fire, it's a great episode. I agree. I definitely had, like, there were parts of it until I rewatched it today. Like, in our Facebook group, people were posting about the fact that obviously there's that little throwaway moment with Ruzik, you know, going out to dinner with Kim or whatever. I was like, wait, that happened? Like, literally had no idea about, like, most of what happened last night in the episode, in the episode until I watched it today. For me, though, it is a great episode. I think this is a really strong episode. Mm-hmm. My problem with it is, though, and I guess we'll get into it kind of more as we go on, is that they've been hyping it up as like, Atwater's getting love interest, Atwater's getting love interest, Atwater's getting love interest. And to me, as of right now, it almost kind of seems like a version of like Jay and Camilla. Mm-hmm. And like, we obviously, the last time we had Layla and she was like, part of the case and granted i guess technically celeste isn't 
a hundred percent part of the case. She, you know, she didn't do anything wrong, unlike Layla, but it just feels like a cop out again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Celeste and Kevin have crazy chemistry, crazy chemistry. This relationship does not have staying power though. And I base that solely upon the fact that Kevin will not tell her he's a cop. Yeah, I will get there, but yeah, I just to me it just felt like that also part that part also overshadowed what as much as I like this episode, it that was like very overshadowing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So okay, we start this episode and Ruswater is like in the club. In the club. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. But also like you guys are in your 30s. How are you not like at home and in bed by nine? I mean, I yeah, yeah, say I even if, before your 30s, I'm at 26 and I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go to bed. If we are to assume that Ruzik is the same age as Patty, that means that Ruzik is 38 years old. I'm like four to five years younger than that. And I don't, I couldn't even imagine setting foot in a club right now. Like the the music, the lights, the energy, I'd be like, ah, like, ah, I don't want to be here. So I'm 12 years younger than that. And I still can't imagine that either. Yeah. Yeah. So part of me was like, cool. But the other part of me was like, what are they doing at the club? They're a little too old for that. Granted, not Kevin. Because if Kevin is the same age as Royce, then he's like 32, 33-ish. I'm looking it up. Yeah. 33. 33. Yeah. So, okay. So, but, you know, good for them. Hey, they're at the club, they're chilling, whatever. And they're socially distanced, too. Did you notice there was nobody around them? Proud of them. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So uh, they're looking at, like, Zillow for some sort of listing. There's, like, a giant apartment building with, like, 20 units or something that Kevin's looking to, like, invest in or buy. And Adam mentioned something about the CPD real estate program, which I just Googled, by the way. I couldn't find a thing about it. I don't know. CPD has a real estate program. I wonder if it's similar to what Al was going to do that season where like CPD offers like a total, like a discount in like an up and coming neighborhood. Probably, but like, I don't know. It still doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. No, me neither. Me neither. But Ruzik leaves because he's got a date with Kim. Ruzik date night in the house. I know. Just a little throwaway line, but I loved it so much. Yeah, yeah. And Kev's like, that explains the shirt. What he really means is that explains why you're wearing a solid color and not plaid. <laughs> True. I love True. it. True. I love it. Rizic date night. Rizic date night. Okay. So, so Adam leaves, Kevin stays. And while he's there, he spots this girl from across the bar. And they basically strike up a conversation over foosball. And like the game on Kevin Atwater. Oh my God. The whole time I was just like, why is this man so attractive? Like everything he's doing right now, this is so attractive. Why? He's so attractive. I literally just kept saying that like over and over again. He is so smooth. So smooth. Oh my God. Just like they're, they're so like they talk about foosball and then they're like sitting at the bar and they're laughing and they're looking at pictures on the phone and like they're totally flirting. And he said something totally smooth about names. And then he's like, do you want to dance? And she's like, yeah but not here. Huh. Cut to some sexy, sexy time. We got to see Leroy's chest naked again. Hashtag blessed, okay? Like So blessed. Good for you, Kevin. Go be happy. Go do the thing. Good for you. I know. 
It's about time. Oh, it was amazing. Amazing art. Yes. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Okay. So then the transition too is like totally flawless. They're having major sexy time. And then it like goes behind some sort of pillar on the wall. And then it like transitions into the bedroom like the next morning for like them to like wake up and everything. Oh my God. Just, it's so sexy. It's really sexy. It's so sexy. Oh my God. Okay. So the next morning they finally exchange names and Kevin just kind of admires the art on the wall. There's a lot of like floor to ceiling, just art. She's an art teacher and she's clearly anti-police. There's a lot of social justice stuff on the wall. And so Kevin just tells her that he does boring city work, like boring work for the city. So then he's like, can I call you? And she's like, no, you should come find me again. Like, keep it interesting. Oh, these two. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then Kevin is leaving Celeste's place and he sees a bunch of patrol cars drive by and he hears shots fired over the radio. They're in, they're in a neighborhood in Chicago called Burnside. That was the title of the episode. It's basically what you need to know. So he gets there to the site of the shooting. There's multiple gunshot wounds. And the rest of intelligence rolls up. Um, yeah, the rest of intelligence rolls up and, you know, they're trying to get the down low. But also that moment when Kev's like, hey, what happened? As in talking about like Voight's lip. Yeah. 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 Which, again, I was not here last week. I did not get to record on PD, which like killed me inside because holy shit, that was like the best scene ever. It really was. That punch was like art. Art. Yeah. Just take that gift. Burn it into my brain. And I would be happy with that. The way I shot my arms in the air when he punched him, I was like, yes! Like, magic. Magic. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so, and Voight's like, yeah, all good. Not all good. Voight pun- or Jay punched you. Not all good. Remember that time? That was pretty great. You deserved it. Yeah. Um, so we find out there was a red SUV, two offenders, and the DOA was Anthony Wiggins, this guy who did like a 10-year stint for drug trafficking, but he was released like months ago. Uh, pretty much Wiggins was the target is what you need to know. So everyone disperses to go walk and talk the neighborhood and we get like a teeny bitty little upstead scene, teeny little upstead scene. And Haley's like, dude, like you left early this morning. I didn't even hear. And he was like, I just wanted to let you sleep. Like we talked all night and I just wanted to get to work. Just like, this is where that Miley Cyrus sound bit comes in where it's like, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. Is Jay mad? Is he not mad? I can't tell. Like I said, I think, I think he's, I don't know if mad is the right word. I think he's upset. Um, I think he's going to be mad though in a couple weeks when he finds out that Haley still hasn't told Kim. Yeah. If, if Jay was mad at her, I don't think Haley would have been like, Hey, I didn't even hear you leave this morning. Yeah. And when the, the fact that they had that, they talked all night. Like, I don't know. I felt like that was a weird hmm. comment. Hmm. That means poor Haley didn't sleep again. Again, yes. Oh, okay. So, yikes. Kev tracks down a guy who knows something. Wiggins was active with the Burn City Hustlers, but he no longer is. However, he did confront this guy Hubbard a couple days ago and somebody caught it on Instagram. So the whole case starts with like Wiggins versus Hubbard. It's basically the way to kind of structure it. So... The rest of them keep digging. Kevin and Voight go and pay Mo a visit. And Mo's like, I was not the shooter. Totally backed up by security camera footage. That's great. 
they also finally get the restaurant footage of the shooting. So the the kids who drove away from the shooting, they're like, I mean, they're, they're kids basically, but there's a, one of them has a beanie on that says shy teen arts. And it's this art place, or it's this place where like at-risk teens get referred by teachers, et cetera. It's run by CPS and it's also run by Celeste. Bum, bum, bum. So Ruzik is like, okay, well, Kevin, I'll go. And Kevin's like, actually, I need you to take it. And here's why. And so Ruzik's like, dude, I got you. Totally cool. Takes Kim instead, which like, okay, they're okay now. I, I see it now. I see it now. They're good. So yeah. Ruzik takes Kim. And when they hand Celeste the photo, she's like, she hesitates about IDing the boys. And she's like, no, I, I don't know that it's them. This scene was this scene was interesting to me because like in my head I was just like uh, Ruzik and Kim are like vetting their vetting her they're just like oh is she a, is she a good enough love interest for our friends let's see so but I don't think Kim knew I think Ruzik so I don't think yeah I was gonna say I don't think Ruzik would have told Kim well no that and Kim when Kim suggests taking her down to the station you see Adam's face and he's like shit yeah yes. yeah so Celeste does come down to the station for questioning. Uh, once, you know, Ruzik and Kim are like, hey, if you don't, all your students will be questioned. So Voight shows her photos of the victims. She might come clean, but she still denies anything. So um, Ruzik and Kevin are then doing surveillance from the van outside of the art place. And this interesting, this is an interesting conversation between Ruz and, uh, Ruz and Kevin, because Adam's like, so are you into her? And he's like, oh, come on. And he's like, how did you avoid telling her you're CPD? And he just says, it just kind of felt good to be the dude she met at the bar and not the black cop. Like, didn't have to defend the badge, didn't have to prove my blackness, that's it. That is twice now in one episode that he has insisted on doing something away from the badge. Where is his head at? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's hard because I want to say I get it. I don't get it, but I, I mean, I get where he's coming from, I guess. Um, it kind of reminded me when, you know, when I was thinking about, I was thinking about this line when I was thinking it during our guy interview when guy was talking about, um, you know, like Dylan's kind of identity crisis, you know, having to manage the being the doctor and the black man mm -hmm. and the former cop and having to navigate all those identities like that was something that came to my mind, obviously, because I watched episode first before we did our guy interview. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean. I can see why, it, you know, it's probably nice to sometimes just be Kevin, not be defined by, you know, your badge or, you know, your blackness. Um, yeah. I, I wonder yeah. if that's, I wonder if that's a big struggle that he faces is that with like in the black community, he just, he, like the people see the badge first before they see the man. Well, yeah. Cause even when he goes after that guy to get the, where he ends up getting them information about Mo the first time, you know, like the guy even says something calls him a traitor or something like that um but yeah it doesn't surprise me at all that's that's, that's interesting that like kevin's making a distinction now between like cop kevin and then like kevin away from like there's two different kevins that's interesting that he's making that distinction yeah so, hmm. interesting so when they see celeste leave she makes a call and she's just like i don't care what the cops are saying i need to hear it from you okay great they take it back to Voight. Burgess mentions that she ran Celeste's social media and narrowed it down to like four students that she's extra close with. So they're all into art. They're all into music. They could have crossed paths with, with Hubbard. You know, that's great. 
So at this point, Kevin finally comes clean about knowing Celeste and he's like, okay, she doesn't know I'm a cop, so I can work her, look at her phone, get a name, etc." Boyd's tone in this scene kind of bothers me. And I think this is where you see the contrast with like how they're so different is that Kevin is making this distinction of like cop Kevin and Kevin away from the badge. Whereas Hank is, Hank and the badge are one. They never separate. Because Hank's tone in this episode when he's just like, he's like, well, don't you think you should have told me that? Like, as if he expects him like to put everything ahead, everything, like the job comes first, no matter what. Like no personalize it ever. Did you pick that, like, did you pick that tone up at all? No, I took it completely different. To me, I think the reason Boyd is annoyed, I mean, annoyed, I don't know what the right word is, but like, are mad, I guess, at the read that Lori, Kev didn't tell him. I mean, like, and I don't want to say I agree with Boyd, but like, obviously, if you know the person who may or may not be suspect in, you know, a shooting, or know the people who at least were, you know, involved in a shooting, and you left it out, like, I, but it's like, listen, I get, you know, I get that you have a personal life, but you can't just leave that information out. Like that information is important. That's fair. I just, again, I'm, I'm at a point with Boyd right now where like his every move irks me. So I'm just like, stop talking. Like, girl, you're just sitting and it's making me mad. Um, so no, I, I get it. But also, I mean, I think it's, I think the fact that he didn't tell, he wouldn't tell her that he's a cop. I think it shows that he actually likes her. He really likes her. And he's afraid of what's going to happen when, uh, when that yeah. comes out. But he made it worse because he just keeps lying to her. No, he totally did. He totally did. Yeah. Yep. So Kevin goes over to Celeste's place. She's had a bad day and Kev just tries to get her to open up about it. Oh my God. This moment when he's like, well, if you thought you were going to feel better by yourself, like wouldn't it have already happened by now? I was like, geez, Kevin, like so smooth. Oh my God. Stop it. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was good. But yeah, Kev tries to get her to open up. You're just kids, you know. Not allowed to be for very long, you know? How is that? How is it not? They got Burnside, Garfield Park, Englewood all telling them, don't get caught lacking. Keep your gun. Keep eyes in the back of your head or lose your head. You know, they got the police, they got TV. Hell, they got social media. Mm all showing them the angry black woman, the scary black man, a black kid shooting another black kid. So be ready, be running, be afraid of your own. I'm sorry, I'm ranting. Let's talk you. Uh You're not ranting at all, it's okay. I got a little brother and a little sister. Mm-hmm. I raised him, so I get it. Most of the time, it does feel like it's us versus whatever world the white man forced on us or us Against versus- Against the world that we had to force on, on ourselves. ourselves. Right. I swear, people never get how hard it hurts to not have a place. So their deep conversation leads to more sexy time, which makes Kevin interrupt. And he's like, I need another beer. Uh, But he tries to use this opportunity to get the name and number from her phone. He actually tries to like guess the password, which like Kevin, really? Really? You've only known the girl for a day. Calm down. Yeah. Just calm down. Calm down. 
Um, but he gets interrupted by an incoming call. And so Celeste runs out, it's one of her students and Kev offers to help. So she finally like very reluctantly lets him come with her. Lewis Dotson is the kid. It is one of the four that Burgess identified. And the rest of intelligence just kind of rolls up waiting for the right time. So Lewis admits to Celeste and Kevin that he was just the driver. He didn't know where he was going. And just as Kevin tells Lewis like what he should do, he turns the recording device off. Which like, mm -hmm. that's not shocking. That's par for the course on PD. And Voight acted like it was like the biggest deal he's ever seen. I think it's not necessarily the biggest deal he's ever seen, but just the fact that it's very unlike Kevin. I mean, murder is unlike most people, but that doesn't stop Voight from doing it. No, I'm not. And I'm not saying that he should be hypocritical that, you know, feel that way about Kevin. But I just think it's maybe more shocking because it's unlike Kevin. Mm. I, yeah, I guess I can see that. So. Yeah. Take it from here, please. Okay. So then Lewis admits while the recording device is off that he touched the gun to throw it in the river because he was in this position and that like, he was in this position because of um, Hubbard. So, of course, like right as this happens, intelligence just had just because of the recording device being off, intelligence was just like, you know what, fuck it, we're going to go in anyway. So, of course, right at this moment, intelligence comes in, like bangs out the door, you know, arrests them all. So, they bring Lewis and Celeste back to the district, and Kevin goes to talk to Lewis and obviously kind of outs himself as a cop. And Lewis is like, you know, calls him a traitor and. Kevin says, you know, I'm the best thing you've got going right now and tells them how to handle, you know, what happens in in, in the interview room. Um, and, you know, even says, like, the fact that, like, get a lawyer, don't say anything else but lawyer, you know, do this, do that. Like, and he says, you know, whether you had a knowledge of the crime or not is going to be the difference between you living your life and giving it up in the penitentiary. Just take a second to think of what about what Kevin's doing here. He is he's essentially protecting this kid from his boss and his friends. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, and I don't want to say he's only doing this because of Celeste, but he wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for Celeste. Yeah. And the fact that she is seeing something good in these kids, or you know, Lewis specifically, but like because obviously I think if this is just a different situation and Celeste isn't involved, like take Celeste out of the equation. I don't think Kev does this. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. Cause, because then Kev doesn't have the background that he has. One well, we've seen kind of similar situations and Kev hasn't done that before, but I, mm -hmm. it has to do with Celeste. And that's, I think, honestly, what's crazier to me, not the fact that Kev was actually protecting the kid from the, you know, Voight and the rest of his friends, but the fact that he did it basically because of a girl. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, then Lewis goes on to say, you know, like, why are you doing this? And he even says, he's like, you know, Miss Nichols knows who you really are. I believe her. I see it. I see you. Um, and so Lewis does exactly as Kevin tells him to, and even ends up actually giving them the name of the other guy, Eric Boyle. And apparently, according to Lewis, like Mo tried to force, um, forced Eric to, and like even threatened to kill him. And so that's why they ended up doing it. So, of course, like, while Rusick starts getting arrest warrants for Eric and Mo, Voight stops Kevin and, like, 
questions him about the recorder, but Kevin doesn't give in. Kevin just says, you know, like, oh man, I should have checked the battery again. Like, you know, my bad. Um, so yeah. What does it matter though? Like he, he's like, okay, great. Voight knows that you turned off the recorder. Okay. Was that, is that meant to scare him? Like what, what's your point, Hank? Man, you are really salty. I mean, I don't like Void either, but you are like really going in on Void tonight. I'm I'm so sick of his bullshit. I am. And don't forget, I have two weeks of like pent up Void rage. Okay. Like I didn't get to I didn't get to record last week. So like I'm just I'm so sick of his bullshit. I'm so sick of it. I'm sick of him. I'm sick of everything Hank Void. Like all this time, all these seasons leading up to season nine, you're like, okay, well, he's bad. No, but maybe he's good. Maybe he's good. But then like last season happens and you're like, all right, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a fucking duck, right? Like, yeah. He puts Haley in that position and Haley does the dirty work for him. And then he's like, oh, but you saved me. Think of it that way. Dude, fuck you, boy. Fuck you. That's my rant. That, yeah. Um, I'm not done either. I have more to say. Go ahead. <laughs> so they get back from resting Bo and Kevin and Boyd and some other lady. Who is this other lady? I think she's a DA. I think she's a district attorney. They don't say whoever this other lady is. Um, they're sitting in Boyd's office and she confirms that, you know, like Lewis told him the same story at the apartment complex that was told in the interview room. And apparently she knows that that was a lie, though, because her investigators found messaging between Lewis and Eric, like, about the shooting and talking about them going to do it. Um, so apparently they're going to charge Lewis, who is 15, as an adult. And Kevin is pissed. And rightfully so. They're going to charge this kid as an adult. Yeah. Um, and Kevin even goes on to say, you know, like right now, it just sounds like we're trying to cre- create a false narrative about a kid to build a case. And yet again, Kevin needs Voight to back him up and Voight is silent. Yeah. Be an ally for fuck's sake. Is that so hard? Yeah. So the lady leaves and Voight mentions that since he'll not have to be transferred to County, he'll, you know, arrange for a transport cart for Lewis and Kev is like, no, I want to do it. So as Kev gets ready to drop him off at County, Lewis mentions that he lied about dumping the gun. And of course, as soon as he's about to say like what happened and where he put the gun, all of a sudden gunshots go off and Lewis is shot in the backseat of the car. So Kevin immediately sees Eric and starts chasing after him and like ultimately tackles him to the ground. And he's like, you don't even know who you are yet. Was it worth it? And that honest. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and then we even got like a dramatic drop to the knees. And then like, he like punched the ground in frustration. I was like, Kevin, baby. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean. I guess we haven't really said it yet so far, but like Loris's acting in this episode is like unreal. He always crushes it. It's so good. Um, so back at the district, Kev is clearly beating himself up over the whole thing, and Boyd goes to talk to him. Coming down here to give me a lecture. This wasn't on you. It isn't. I get why you did what you did today. I also get that sometimes this job chews up your soul in a different way than it does mine. 
I respect the hell out of you that you stay here when it does. Is Eric talking? No. Hubbard. So we have no proof that Hubbard sent him down there? Not yet. Lewis was just about to tell me what happened with the gun. He didn't dump it. He didn't tell you what he did with it. It could be anywhere. Hmm. I just don't know where he went after the shooting. I don't know. Hmm. I do know. So let's say he would go somewhere where he knew it was safe. Like, how poetic, Hank. But like you were saying, too little, too late. Yeah, and so basically ends up with Kevin kind of figuring out that, like, he does know where Lewis would have hid the gun because Celeste told him. So Celeste ends up at, or in, not Celeste, Intelligence ends up at Chai Teen Arts. They find the gun. Um, they end up questioning Mo, and of course, he's still not talking. But it doesn't really matter because they pulled partial prints, and what they got from Eric is enough to put him away. So Kevin, we go for this final scene. Kevin goes to see Celeste and, um, you know, she says something about like, you know, we obviously both know if it, Lewis was a white kid, they'd paint a picture of a helpless victim bullied into crime. Um, and she, you know, talks about how she feels guilty for about leading the cops to Lewis and for getting Kevin involved. And then, you know, their conversation just gets really deep. So we're just going to play the rest of it. You know what burns me the most? What? I heard Lewis was riding in a patrol car with two black officers. How did you hear that? Witnesses on the street. How do they sleep at night knowing that Lewis died sitting right next to them? I don't know. Why are you looking at me like that? Celeste. I gotta tell you. I'm sorry. No, no, but no, no, you don't do that, okay? You're not doing that. You don't apologize to me. None of this is on you, okay? You tried to help, and I appreciate that so, so much. I really do. I really do. I think you are a very good man, Kevin. Okay. Can we just... We just have some beers and just sit in silence together in our own little safe space. And yeah, Kevin looks like he thought he was going to tell Celeste he was going to come clean, and he doesn't. Nope. So yeah, that's basically PD in a nutshell. And she's sticking around, I think. I think there was an article with LaRoyce that dropped after where he was like, you know, the lie's going to get easier for him to keep going. Yeah, she'll apparently be back, so... Well, it's this is just like when Will and Natalie were lying to each other and we were like, this is going to end so badly. This is going to end and so it ends badly. So badly. 
this is not gonna and it again it just sucks the whole thing about this sucks is because we wanted a love interest for Loris or for Loris for Pat or for Atwater for so long. And the fact that it's the lie now is going to overshadow it. Like just let, let Kevin have like a normal love life. Yeah. And you know, that's honestly, I think the thing that bothers me about this, because otherwise this is an amazing episode. It's yeah. really good. Really good. Um, but yeah, it's just that part will always overshadow it for me. Mm-hmm. So um we did of course obviously get listener thoughts Jess said it's hard for me to decide whether I like this episode or not because I've been saying for a while now that I wish they would write Kevin-centric episodes that aren't necessarily centered on his race or police brutality it's hard because these are important storylines and they are absolutely storylines worth telling which is why I wish there were more people of color in the units that it didn't always fall on Kevin to tell these stories and of course Lori kills it anyway yeah. She said, all that being said, I thought it was a good episode. I thought it was really good take on the situation because you've seen Kevin and Jay really turn to working within the rules of the system and doing good police work. And yet Kevin and the audience are forced in this episode to confront the reality that when the system is inherently racist, there can be no true justice. Kevin had to lie and break the rules just to give Lewis a chance. And even then they were still going to try him as an adult and he ended up dying. I don't know what the solution is to this. And I kind of like that they shouldn't try to offer one because that's where we're at in the moment, working with a flawed system that's in desperate your need of red reform. And then she ended up with saying, I really like Celeste, which is almost a shame because I cannot see this ending. Um, it really irks me that they never give Kevin a love interest so that he can have something nice, but only when it's a, basically a plot device. I can see this ending well, or I can't see this ending well, and I think it's going to be very ugly when it all comes out, and I'm going to need someone there to give Kevin a big hug when he does. I volunteer as tribute. Yeah, same. <laughs> Lori's hugs are the best. The best. Oh my goodness. Um, Haley G said, did anyone catch the parallel between Kevin saying how the kid was threatened into violence by the gang leader and the Haley Voight dynamic? I didn't, but I can see it now that she said it. I mean, Haley wasn't threatened into violence. She was just manipulated into it. Yeah, but yeah. Um, and then last, but certainly not least was, um, Leah, um, it, or is it Leah? It's Leia. It's Leia. Leia. Um, if sorry about that, Leia. Um, if they are not continue the cliffhanger um, upstead scene from nine oh four, then they should have ended the last episode with Upton still sleeping, oblivious to Halston's return. That would have been cool. The audience would know, but know that Jay knows, but Haley is unknowing, um, and we would know about the tension between Voight and Halstead, but not others. Maybe the writers didn't want to drag it out, but no follow through into the next episode. We get. A we talked off screen mention. What a cop out, pun intended for the win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I was happy with this episode. I thought it was good. I thought it was good too. I mean, we, there's there are not enough Kevin episodes in CPD. There really aren't. There really aren't. It's good. And I'm glad he's happy for now. Um, happy though is a loose word or loose term because is he really happy? Happy with strings attached. Happy asterisk? Yeah, that may be more like it. Happy? Question mark? Happy? (laughs) Any other notes on PD? 
no again just a solid episode it's a little overshadowed by a the jesse stuff and b the fact that kevin's getting a love interest but it's not really a love interest um love yeah. interest <laughs> plot device <laughs> yeah so um yeah uh I would say that's all we've got today, but we've still got our interview with Guy Lockard ahead. So um, you guys will get to listen to that now. Guy is wonderful. He is so great. We love so sweet. So, so sweet. Oh my goodness. And so multi-talented too. Like make sure listen to the whole thing because he like, yeah, he's, he's pretty talented and yeah, just, he was wonderful to talk to. We really enjoyed it. So here is our chat with Guy Lockard. Guy, it's nice to finally chat with you. We've wanted you on the pod since we knew you were coming. So welcome to One Chicago. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm happy yeah. to be here. So we always like to have the new people on the podcast just to kind of say hello, get to know you, and just kind of have the fandom be like, hello, we're friends now. So let's <laughs> start off with the most basic of questions. How did you originally get involved in acting? Well, how did I get involved in acting? I was always a pretty spirited young individual. And um, we were very involved in church growing up. And so I was always in all the church plays and and all the kind of whatever drama things we were doing at church and in school. Um, I was always at the, you know, at the front of it, uh, the the getting the lead part or one of the parts. And then um, I guess my first like initial actual gig was when I was on my way to high school. Um, and I'm from the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. And back then, um, BET, Black Entertainment Television, was headquartered there before they eventually moved to New York. Um, and I auditioned for a show called Teen Summit, which, uh, in short, I'll say it was kind of like like the Black version of the Mickey Mouse Club, if there were a thing of, of the sort. <laughs> Bunch of teenagers on a panel talking about different issues and you know, teenage stuff. And then it would end with celebrity performances from everybody from Destiny's Child. Like, I, I believe, I could be wrong, don't quote me. I believe our show was their first television appearance, uh, Destiny's Child, when they first came out. Um, I might be aging myself a little bit. But um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that was like my first break, you know, into professional acting and, and kind of media and television. That's awesome. So is that experience um, doing that show, is that what you would say helped you decide that like acting is what you wanted to do for a living? Or was there some other person or some other experience that helped you decide like, no, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life? Well, I think, you know, I would have to credit Denzel Washington being the specific person who I've actually met, funny enough, but um, him being a specific person that was like, dang, I really want to do that. Like, that looks amazing what he's doing. Um, uh, but then that experience, I think, made it real for me. Like, wow, I could actually get paid to do this uh, because it was the probably the first time I had been paid a significant amount of money to do any form of acting and entertainment. So, yeah, I think the combo of those two things. That's great. And so in terms of One Chicago, uh, some people may not realize you were actually on an episode of Fire uh, two seasons ago um in season eight and so what was that experience like for you first of all happy 200th episode to chicago fire the og that started us off in chicago what's up amon what's up david and all my family over there um yeah that was an amazing experience i talk about it a lot uh because we filmed it like right before the pandemic happened um and 
uh, it happened to be an episode where I played uh, a disgruntled father and community figure who protested the closing of a fire station in our neighborhood. Um, and it's what we call a tunnel episode, which means the entire episode was filmed in the same um, the same setup. I was tied to two uh, fire trucks the entire episode protesting. Um, and it was incredible. First of all, uh, they have an amazing team over there. Like all of their crew, their cast, um, all the producers over there, like they are amazing people. And they made me feel like I was a series regular on that show when I was guest starring. I have to say it was one of the best experiences that I've had up until that point. So how much did that guest spot play a role in you getting the job on med? Like, did you have to re-audition for the casting department again? Or like, how did that role, how did that end up like transferring into your role on med now? Um, I'll never know the exact answer to that. But from what I've been told and what I saw, uh, Nicole even told me when my tape came in, I did have to audition for med. And I sent in a tape because that's what we're doing now because of COVID. We're not going into people's offices auditioning. Um, and she said, as soon as I saw the tape, she was like, because she, I guess she had already got the job as the producing um, director of, of Med. And so she said, when your tape came across our desk, I called Diane and Andy and everyone. And I said, it's him. It's him. I know he can do it. He has this and that. He can take notes. Um, he's professional and he's a good guy. Like all the beautiful things that Nicole always says about me. She's, she's very kind um, and we become really good friends. Uh, so I think if I had to say, I, I won't say that it got me the job, but I think it definitely, like I didn't have to do a callback. You know, I didn't have to do a callback and the offer did come in kind of quickly, which made me dust my shoulder off a little bit. I was like, okay, you're doing something right, bro. <laughs> you're getting something right. That's great. And so what was the learning curve like with the medical training? Is there anything that particularly stumped you? Um, hmm. No, uh, I won't say anything stumped me. I will say uh, they, we do have to take these classes here and there whenever there's something difficult we have to do, if we have to intubate someone or if we have to, you know, and I know other actors have probably explained that to you. Um, what, is still difficult is throwing stitches, uh, which I probably don't practice enough. And I'm saying this on record. I hope I don't get a phone call. <laughs> I, I'm supposed to be at home. They give you, they give us these kits and it's like this block that feels like skin. It's like literally like this gelatin, gelatinous block. And we're supposed to practice making stitches and I don't practice enough. It is difficult. It's like, and cause I have big hands. And so you have to be really nimble and that I am not. But, <laughs> I would say that that would be the hardest thing. That's so funny. Um, so on the show, you play Dr. Dylan Scott. And I'm curious, like, what characteristics do you guy have in common with Dylan? Um, you know, Marlene asked me the same question. Um, I think we're both really empathetic. Um, and maybe even sometimes to a fault, right? Like, sometimes just always, I, I'm an empath. I can feel people's energy and it's probably what makes me enjoy acting and probably makes me really available for acting, but it's also really annoying because I, I can't deny like walking down the street, if I'm interacting with someone, I just can feel their energy and it affects me. 
you know? Um, so I think we're sensitive to energy in that way. Um, not at all, like patting myself on the back. I think we're very intuitive and I know that I think 10 steps ahead, which is also kind of annoying at times because it's just, your brain is always, like, ah, always analyzing everything. Um, I wonder sometimes are we both, uh, a bit too like trusting or too, you know, not naive, but you know, we want to, we want to see, we want to believe that people are just good. And I think that Dylan and Guy maybe give people too much of a chance too soon. Um, and I think some of that will be revealed as the season goes on. Maybe we haven't seen a lot of that on camera yet, but um, yeah, I, I would say that. Dylan's definitely a lot more patient than Guy. Guy is not that patient. <laughs> <laughs> not as patient as this group. Nice. And so one of our listeners, Hallie, she sent over a question and she said, seeing as one of the things that Dylan specializes in is pediatrics, you obviously work with a lot of kids. What is the best thing about working with all of them? Oh man. Um, children are so free and they just don't have a lot of the hangups that we kind of develop as adults. And so I've always been good with kids. Like I'm the one that could get your baby to go to sleep. I'm the one, I didn't do a lot of babysitting, but man, well, like the kids in my family, they would always make me babysit my little cousins and stuff. And I was always good with them because I'm just a big kid. Um, and I think that that's what I like about kids. I think they keep things fresh uh, on set because they just see everything. Like they're free, their mind is free to roam and their approach to a scenario is unlike anything that adults could come up with. And so I feel like they keep the material and, you know, keep it kind of fresh and exciting because you don't know what they're thinking. You never know what a kid is going to do. They're unpredictable at times. And I think that actually is, is good. It keeps us on our toes, me in particular. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, we had another listener question from Megan and she wanted to know, obviously we've learned a little bit about Dylan's cop backstory and she wanted to know, are we going to learn any more about Dylan's time as a cop? We most certainly are. We are. We got a long way to go in this season. Um, and a lot is going to be unveiled about that. Um, and there's just a lot of conflict um, between Dylan being a cop and being a police officer. We just, well, I just wrapped episode eight. They still over there filming it. I just wrapped my part of episode eight. And without saying too much, um, there's a big conflict. You know, there are times when Dylan, I was just telling Oliver, um, Oliver Platt, you know, Dylan has to be blue, black, and blood. Like blood meaning like a doctor. Um, don't make that a hashtag, it's terrible. But <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, like he, you know, there's a part of him that is, you know, he's an African-American man in Chicago and there's that. Um, but then he's a cop and um, a lot of people don't know my parents in real life are both retired police officers. Uh, production didn't even know that when they hired me. And so when they found that out, they were like, what? Because I've informed a lot of the things that we think about just by having that experience, right? And my mom loves to jump in and give me like little tidbits or whatever. So yeah, there will be plenty, um, plenty of that. And a lot of that is just that struggle between making medical decisions versus like, you know, his his obligations of, of the uniform that he used to wear and that he still wear. You never let that uniform go even after you retire. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so um, I don't know how much you know about, you know, the PD side or the, the franchise as a whole, but we've talked a lot on the podcast this season about Voight and his actions. And so with Dylan being a former police officer, we just kind of want to know what, what do you think Dylan would think of Voight? I think Voight ultimately wants to do what's right. And I think that Dylan would respect that. I know that he's done some tricky things in the past and some some of the things he does can be kind of questionable. Um, and again, without telling too much about episode eight, I think that once we get into that episode, there's some scenarios where what I'm saying right now will make a little more sense about how Dylan sees people like that. Um, you know, I'm sure that Void is in turmoil over hiding that body, you know, not too long ago, and he probably feels some kind of regret, but it's just tough when you're that kind of dude. You know, he he always wants to be on the up and up um but he's just a mensch you know he he's he's got a certain perspective um and i think that dylan respects that uh i'm i'm if i sound like i'm stumbling over words it's because i'm like i don't want to say too many things about some of the stuff that's coming up but i think you'll see soon i think they would i think he would really respect him a lot um so we had another listener question um, from Allison and she wanted to know, she said, as we're starting to see Dr. Scott work with the other doctors at med and find out what his relationship is like with each of them, which of those relationships are you most interested in seeing develop more and why? Um, I am very curious about Dr. Scott and Sharon Goodwin. Um, I wonder, I was asking Diane and Andy early on uh, I've only had one scene with Epatha and I wouldn't even call it a scene. It was a scene, but like, she doesn't speak to me directly in the scene. Um, and her and I were even talking about that, but I wonder uh, based on all the things going on, what their relationship would be. Uh, I was telling Diana, Andy, I was like, I, I feel like maybe he's, uh, you know, she brought him in and she's really proud of him or maybe he, you know, I, I made up all this stuff and they were like, no, <laughs> like no, no, no. so I, I just wonder I'm, I'm curious to see what tales are to be told between those two yeah yeah now that you say it I'm like ooh, that would be good actually yeah, yeah. like seeing how she's doing you know with Halstead and how she got him sneaking around and doing all that stuff and I wonder what errands she gonna put me on you know <laughs> once it all you know comes down yeah, yeah. And so we've talked about it briefly, but obviously we know you started on fire and you've already worked with LaRoyce, but is there another character or actor on fire or PD that you're looking forward to working with? David Eigenberg. He is the best. And that is not at all like a comparison to anybody else. I just, when I did fire last year, um, Eamon Walker and myself and him, uh, you know, so when you're on set, with sometimes you just click with people a certain way and they took me under their wing so fast. I remember like the first day on set, they both during lunch, this is before COVID, obviously they pulled me over to a table and surrounded me and just were like gushing and, and singing my praises, but also just like immediately became big brothers. Like, look, you have something here. This is what, here's our advice. Here's our love. Um, we are available to you. They gave me their numbers. And, and often, you know, you have new guest stars all the time. You don't always 
get that deep. You don't usually have the kind of time with them to to kind of bond that way. Uh, but David just that scene uh, in fire where I'm explaining to him why I did what I did. And he says he put the couch on fire when we were filming that and all the takes we were doing and we did it this way and that way. And we were just like acting and and really feeling and experiencing. I was like, man, I want to do some more stuff with David because he is just an incredible artist and just a good guy off camera. He's the funniest person in the world. And um, I'm I know, know I'm not like directly connected to fire through this character, but I do hope my hope is that somehow they found a way to throw me in there once or twice, you know. That'd be awesome. So like we kind of mentioned in the beginning, obviously we like to get to know you, you guys as people on the show, but also like as actors and just people outside of the show. And so we know aside from acting that you're also a singer. And I'm curious, like how did you get into the singing stuff that you do? Um, I was a singer technically before I was an actor. My mom used to sing around the house all the time. Back when I was born, she was a big Anita Baker fan and she used to play these records all around the house. Um, I grew up with music in the house. And so I would just sing. And when I was like two, I would know the words to all these very adult songs. And she would put me in front of company <laughs> and ask me to sing for people all the time. Um, and again, coming up in church, singing in church all the time. And then uh, I moved to New York with a, rec a recording contract initially. I moved to New York as a singer songwriter. Um, and I was in a studio with like people from Bad Boy Records and I've met Sean Combs many times and all of that uh, kind of thing. And I had always dabbled in acting, obviously. Uh, but then I went through a really, really tough breakup. And I remember my mom was like, all right, buddy boy, what you gonna do? You know, you're singing and you're acting. You're like a jack of all trades. And, you know, I think that it's affecting your ability to take off. And I was like, oh, okay. And she said, now that you have this new part of your life, you know, you're single after like nine, 10 years, she was like, I think you should go into acting because you seem to be trudging ahead faster. And so I just buckled down and really started focusing more on acting. But yeah, I have music out. Um, I still have music in the clip that we're supposed to release. I work with a couple of producers, so I'm still very active in, in singing and songwriting. Love it. That's awesome. That's mm -hmm. awesome. So um, we also know that you've narrated some audiobooks in the past as well. How is that? Is that similar to acting, different from acting? What's that ballgame like? It's similar, but it's narrating is tough, man. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> you are in that booth for like eight hours a day. And the way I look at it is like one big script, one big scene. So in acting, you know, you have a scene and on a show like this, scenes are two to three pages at the most. But, you know, a chapter of a book is 20 or 30 pages, whatever that is. And so to stay engaged, right, like to keep a reader engaged, um, it wears you out. You, your voice has to really be strong because you have to speak with a certain level of, I don't know, uh, engagement and excitement for a very long period of time. Whereas, you know, we do a couple takes and it's cut and then we take a second and we reset. Like you don't have to live in this intense moment for eight hours. So <laughs> it's tough, but um, I do love it. I do love uh, narrating. My best friend Jason Reynolds got me into it. He's a writer that's doing pretty well with children's books. Um, and I do love the work. Yeah. Um, and I know you've narrated audiobooks like across genres from memoirs to children's books. Like, is there a genre you prefer to narrate? I like the children's books, man. I'm a big kid. I like making the voices and 
And, you know, again, uh, to talk about Jason, um, he writes mostly middle grade novels uh, for uh, children, you know, he, they're written for, he writes them for children of color, but they are for everyone. And I do find that honestly, a lot of um, the children that aren't children of color, when they speak to me, they get just as much out of it. And it's beautiful to see uh, how me bringing those books to life brings different people from different backgrounds together. Um, it's some of the, it's probably what I'm most proud of, honestly, in a lot of the things I've been able to do is the stories that we get to tell about just how we're different, but how we're the same and how like the experiences that we can do uh, in a book for children that sometimes you can't, you know, adults aren't trying to hear all of that uh, in that way. So to be goofy and I, I mean, I'm a clown. You can ask them even on set. I'm such a clown. Um, and I get to do that professionally on tape <laughs> as a narrator. So I think the kids books. Yeah. Oh, love it. Love it. <laughs> and so uh, the last question we've got, this is a favorite one that we ask everybody who comes on just because it's a great time for television. There's so much out there to choose from. We watch a ton of other shows. What are you watching right now? I'm clearly watching the third season of You. It has a chokehold on my life at the moment. <laughs> um, what's that one? Uh, clickbait. Uh, I've been watching it, but and it's good. But every time I watch it, like I try to binge it and then I fall asleep and I'm not talking trash about clickbait, but like I, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll get through one episode. And then when I try to get through two, I'll find that I have to keep going back. I don't know what it is, but it's getting kind of good. So clickbait, you, um, Big Mouth on Netflix is, Netflix is hilarious, obviously. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I watch SVU, obviously. And that, and that is not a plug. <laughs> That's the OG. I did an I did an episode of SVU with Mariska. I love her, um, and so I always check in with her because I just think she's <laughs> she's legendary and incredible. So yeah, I would say those are the kind of the things that are currently in my track list. Good recommendations. Yeah. 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 What are y'all watching? Give me a minute. I need something new to watch, like something I'm not thinking about. I mean, if you're if you're big into Netflix, the recommendation I'll, I'll give you is the same one that we actually gave to Kristen Hager. Um, money heist is uh, uh, yeah it's it's out of spain so yeah. oh i i love it brenda would you echo that what do you what do you recommend yeah i would 100 percent echo that it's so good yeah it's so excellent good. and the very very last like part of the last season comes out i think december 3rd okay yeah yeah oh, so. and what's the name is coming back out too um you know the one that they're in mexico now it's coming out next year I think. oh narcos uh, no is um, it ozark ozark Ozark. I mean, okay. it's not, the new one isn't out, but man, that show. Oh, it's so good. I can't wait till the new one comes out. I got to try that one again. I Yeah, I gave it a chance and then uh, kind of fell off. You got to sit with it. I, yeah. I did too. So so the same exact thing happened to me, Gina. Like <laughs> I, I gave it a chance, fell off. Somebody did exactly what I'm doing to you and was like, you got to circle back. I circled back and was like, oh <laughs> man. And you sit in it and you watch it. And um. Black Mirror, which is my ultimate, like, I love Black Mirror, but it's extreme on Netflix. But... Have you seen Squid Game yet? No, I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm I'm one of these people, like, when something's really hyped up, I got to take a second because I want to watch it with, like, clean eyes. I don't want to watch it with the hype and, like, an expectation. And right now, like, every person I talk to is talking about that show. It's insane. Is it? It's insane. Oh man. All right. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll get an early start on it. Maybe I won't wait too long. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Better my... than me. I've decided no way. No really? way. No You're way to split games. No way. No. Wow. No way. I've heard it's violent and that's just not my kind of not my jam. Oh yeah, I'm into I'm gonna I'm gonna stay away. I'm gonna stay away. <laughs> <laughs> i love it well yeah so um that's about all we've got but um guy tell everybody really fast where can we find you on social media um on instagram which is probably where i'm most active uh you can type in at guy lockard g-u-i-l-o-c-k-a-r-d and on twitter um i'm at guy lockard real speaking of which i need to talk to some of the pr people at nbc there's a fake guy lockard account on twitter that is not me um and i don't know who it is and they're not really doing a lot right now, but I'm like, I need that to get out of here. Um, so Twitter is Guy Lockard Real, and Instagram is at Guy Lockard. Awesome. Have you reported the fake account? We can do that for you. Yeah, we're gonna have um, to report that. I think I did. Yeah, can you report it? I don't know how to do that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> We got you. We got you. Yeah, we got you. Well, yeah, it, it was so nice to talk to you guys. Wonderful to meet you. We're so glad you're here in one Chicago. Hope you enjoy it. And yeah, thank you for stopping by. Thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I'm having a wonderful time. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that. We sure did. Um, God, everybody's so nice. I know we say it all the time, but everybody's so nice and all the casts. Oh my goodness. Uh, But yeah, that's about all we've got for today. So you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, meet us at Molly's right across the board. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Guys, let it out. Like, We've all got Jesse Fields. We're all going to have Jesse Fields for a long time. So inbox is a safe space. All of our inboxes are safe spaces. So use it. Talk to us, please. Please. Uh, but yeah, so me and Molly's right across the board. Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Brenna? I am at Brenna K13. If you'd like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, please check the link in our social store Patreon page. Make sure to check out our Tea Public store. They've always got cool stuff going on there. Uh, if you don't mind leaving us a rating and review on iTunes, that would be so great. We would super appreciate that. Yeah, and as long as there are new episodes, we've got a normal schedule. So stay tuned. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in the meantime, everybody have a good weekend and we will see you next week. Bye.